Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. Shotglassdigital.com On this episode of Whatever This Is, Riley Blanton stops by. We're in the Star Wars room hanging out. We're going to have some good times on Geek Out Loud, Big Honkin' Show. I'm not sure what this is, but it's going to be fun. Welcome, everyone, to a big honking show, geek out loud, mashup kind of thing. My name's Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. Let's go ahead and bring this guy in. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Star Wars Report and from traveling the East Coast, at least part of it, a very small part of it. It's the longest uh, traveling I've ever done. Well, it's Riley Blanton, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Goldiverse. Welcome to my house. Man, I'm... I'm still here. Am I allowed out yet? <laughs> yeah, don't be afraid to eat the microphone. I have to tell everyone this. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Here yeah, we go. get down in there. That's a little thing. better. There we go. I can barely How's hear it myself. Going, man? I'm doing. Uh, it's going good. It's going good. I'm sorry if I'm going to blow you out on the headphones hey. here, but I can't hear myself. No worries. No worries. So do you do do I sound all right to you? Yeah, you sound dulcet and wonderful. Am I coming in hot? Uh. You're coming in loud and clear. Oh, oh. <laughs> I feel like that's Air Force talk. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. You're headed to uh, some some BT, some old basic training or some am. such. Yep, Maxwell Air Force Base in July. Where is Maxwell Air Force Base? Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama. You have something. I'm just going to go uh, ahead and put this out here. You have something against the great state of Alabama. <laughs> what? Riley, just admit it. Do not besmirch my good name, sir. Do I have not. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that you, number one, you said you said that with with a bit of disdain in your voice. Who me? Yeah, and um, see, I'm already uncomfortable with the direction of the conversation. <laughs> and then earlier today, you made a comment about Alabama. We were discussing education. We, oh, we were, we were, yes. So I just yeah, right out of the gate, I Mike, was talking about the the effective uh, the effective platform that uh, Alabamians are known for. The oh, world okay. Around. All right. Well, good because I'd hate for Michael High Nip or David Dollar or any of those guys <laughs> oh, from God. from the Deuce Cash to get <laughs> upset with you. <laughs> 
welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome everyone. So I'm glad to have you here, man. I've had a good. No, thanks for having me, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Had a great time today. We've had a really great kind of chilly kind of evening. Well, and, not and not chilly in in the sense of uh, in the sense of temperature, no. But no, in the sense chilling of, out. We've we've been able to chill tonight. Chilling in the backyard, Riley was strumming the guitar. Oh, was I? Playing a bunch of hippie songs and Dylan I, songs. I came to this realization <laughs> because I I love guitar and I've played for years, and but I, I never have an audience. I'm always like sitting in my living room uh, or on my bed, and it's like my stress relief, right? And I realized, and I'm maybe I can blame my parents because this is the music that they listened to all the time growing up, so it just infused itself genetically into what I do. But uh, I realized like every single song I know is some sort of, either hippie or very folksy 1960s, 70s era song. And then you mentioned something about, like, all right, well, no, let me play something else. Um, uh, I, no, mm. <laughs> that was basically. I've also, I've also figured out, though, through that, through that one little comment I made, just joking around, mm-hmm. you can't really bust Riley's chops for too long. You take, <laughs> you take a lot of it to heart. Well, I was, well, except for that I don't know any of the songs. That was the problem. <laughs> I was like, Dust in the Wind? Eh, kind of. Yeah. Hotel California? That, no. That's not a, no. Now, Hotel California is not a hippie song. That's true. I think that was my one escape from the I, No, I mean, and I, I reneged a little bit. I let you know that there was some stuff you were singing that wasn't, that wasn't hippie-ish. You know, I was just giving you a hard time, as I do about other things, that we won't bring, <laughs> that will not ever be mentioned again. I, Steve, you never give anybody a hard time. I don't know what you're talking about. This is the thing. I figured you, of all people, would know and expect it. <laughs> I mean, it's what I do. So, anyhow, well, I'm glad to have you here. And just in case this goes up on the Geek Out Loud feed, because this, we're going to mix things up tonight in a big, bad way, Riley. All right. I don't know where the show is going. I don't. We just decided, because we didn't know what we wanted this to do. This is like the trial run. We have to like do it. the chat room vote. The Gulliverse will like say, is it good enough? No, no, and no. We, I mean, no. This, I think this, this deserves to get posted Doc regardless. Doc Zinn will be on a chair, and it'll turn around, and he'll face me, and he's like, I pick you. That's right. <laughs> the voice? Yes. Pulling of the voice, yeah. Um, no, I just, I don't. Uh, you know, it's going to get posted regardless because there's no sense in having Riley Blanton in house and missing the opportunity to snag those listeners. You know, the Riley Blanton crowd. No, I was just tweeting out from the Star Wars report, so hopefully some of you guys are tuning in. That's uh, hopefully, that's awesome. hopefully Mark Herleman will tune in. Oh yeah, I, what's he got need, going on I a need, Saturday afternoon? Nothing. He's doing something at the comic book store. That he's, he's got this. He may live in like the most out of the wo- out in the woods, Hick Town in Grants Pass, Oregon. But he has this one local comic shop that is always doing some kind of Star Wars event. It's it's ridiculous. Like he's like, yeah, this weekend they're doing this uh, signing, or this weekend they're doing a special kids day here. Or the five hundred first is gonna be there. I'm like, just stop it, man. There's more stuff going on in Grants Pass, Oregon, week to week, uh, with until, other than Atlanta. So. Then in Fayetteville, Georgia. Well. For what time I do get to spend in Fayetteville, okay. Georgia. All right. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is... Well, Atlanta saves it all up for Dragon Con. Grants, yeah, they sure do. And then and it's boy, like, do they. Then it's like it throws up on the streets. <laughs> you were at Dragon Con this past year. I was, There yes. was a big college football game happening that Saturday as well. It was insane. I would have hated to be there. I hate the crowds. Yeah, in a big bad way, and to me, there's not enough redeeming about Dragon Con. Like you can, you can endure a celebration at its worst because because, because it's, it's Star Wars because it's celebration, right? Yeah. And in the crowd, I get the crowd. The Star Wars crowd are my people. Even yeah. even the most the, the the ones that hate the prequels the most. You know, even the ones that are only in the video game. Oh, I got it! I got it this weekend, yesterday. So I was Mr. Uh, cheap. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to park at uh, Downtown Disney to go Star Wars Weekends. I went to the right. inaugural day yesterday. And there I was, 
at a bus stop waiting to transfer at one of the resorts to get over to uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. And there's a guy who's like, hey, nice shirt. I'm like, yeah, cool. And I said, oh, you've ever been to uh, Star Wars Weekends before? I'm trying to be friendly, engage mm-hmm. people, because you know, an hour or two later I'll be way too tired and we'll sure, just be sure. <laughs> not doing any of it. You won't want to put up with anybody. And that's the first thing. It's like, yeah, no, I went way back when Revenge of the Sith was coming out, but uh, I'm just looking forward to the new movies, at least for past all those other ones. And I was like, man. come on, man. You're at freaking Star Wars Weekends. Yeah, I don't understand. Just let it go. Yeah, I don't let understand. I don't under. Mm. <laughs> Can't hold it back anymore. I mean, something like that. That's a good line. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Hold it back anymore. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Turn away let and slam, slam the, the door. door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I I don't I don't get mm. I just don't get it. I, I've watched between last weekend and today. I've watched the prequel trilogy, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry those movies age so well. They were they yes. were everyone complains about the effects and stuff ahead of its time, ahead of uh, each movie ahead of Absolutely. its time with the effects and and the work that was done there. Um, the Lord of the Rings stuff was hitting with Gollum around the same time Yoda was, you know. So Weta was there, kind of pulling some of the same tricks and stuff. But the difference is, is you had Andy Serkis doing motion capture for the Gollum yeah. stuff. Yoda is just a tennis ball. Yeah. Well, that's the accomplishment in the prequels, especially because it's people always. I hear the Gollum and Yoda comparison mm-hmm. all the time. And Yoda isn't... Gollum's like this very nuanced, emotional character. Right. And Yoda's not really... He's very serene. And so his moments of animation are much more subtle. Mm -hmm. And I think vastly better than the animation. Gollum's achievement was through capturing an actor's performance. Right, Yoda's achievement was the animation. Right. And not only that, Yoda's... The animation for Yoda, particularly in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and what they've gone back and redone on Phantom Menace... They had to live up to the work of Frank Oz in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Yoda in Empire, people were shocked that that wasn't a person in a suit. Yeah. I I, I thought you were going to say Yoda in The Phantom Menace, but that's not really the case. No, no, no. The the puppet in The Phantom Menace was a little too catcher's midi. Oh, yeah. They were trying to go for a younger look for him, but almost too Mm. young because... It, it was only 30 years, you know, 30 to 35 years prior to what we'd seen him. And when you're talking about someone with a 900-year-old lifespan, yeah, it's not that, you know, it's not going to be surely not that great of a difference. But Yoda in Empire was such an achievement of puppetry and yeah. artistry in that sense that there's a moment in Empire when Luke is talking to him and Yoda kind of tilts his head and looks at him. Mm -hmm. You see all of the wisdom, all of the whimsy, everything in the world on the face of this puppet. You know, it just, his face captures it. Oh, for sure. And so they had to go in and like make the, but but then when he talks and stuff and he's moving around, his ears would wiggle, you know, because of the rubber, Mm -hmm. you know, thing. And so they had to go into the animation of Yoda and put in imperfections. Yeah, you know, so that it would match up with what happened with that puppet. There were so many things that happened with that animation for Yoda. It was just beyond belief, you know. And then to bring in like a a, a General Grievous, to yeah, bring in for um, sure. 
Well, you know, I think one of the greatest accomplishments, especially uh, of Puppet Yoda specifically in Empire Strikes Back, is that one shot when he's walking away on the stage. Yes. I don't know how they did it. And it's it's nearly perfect because And he turns so... around, he says, come, and he waves exact, his arm and says, that's come. that's the one. Yeah. And, and he's so stiff, and that reads perfectly as to someone who's been trapped in a tiny mud hut for right, you know, the last right, years. Right, right, But it also reads to Yoda. I mean, the, the thing about Yoda is there's the, the moment in Attack of the Clones when Yoda and Dooku are facing off. I, a lot of people love the, I love the lightsaber stuff. But more yeah. than that, I love the moment when he catches the lightning. Yes. Like, that captured my imagination. I bought the soundtrack... And I had to have the cover with Yoda catching the lightning on the cover. Mm-hmm. Those are four different covers for that soundtrack when it came out. Um, that image just, I love it. I yeah. love the idea that he caught it. You know, first he deflects it, and then he just catches it and does it away with mm. it. And, so good. And it blew my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. And, and then he starts hopping around that lightsaber and everything. And then as soon as the battle's done, mm-hmm. he just pulls his cane up to him and starts to limp around with that cane again. Yeah. And... I, you forget that he has to use that thing to walk during that time. It was so... That character was done so well on all aspects of everything that was done with it. Yeah. And um, and and I just look at stuff like that, and it was just ahead of its time. You know, that Absolutely. was being... You know, and, and so when you watch it now, especially when you watch the high-def versions, either on Blu-ray or the digital releases, those battle droids are there. You know, it's like they're right there, for, and they're all digital. Same thing with the clones. Same thing with it. it's like it's it's a it's a completely digital shot, and, and you can tell as much as you can tell that in Captain America: Winter Soldier, when the when the uh, helicarriers went down, that that was a completely hundred percent digital shot. Or in Iron Man Three, when yeah. his house is being destroyed and cars are falling out, that that's all digital. You can tell as much as that, but it also looks more photorealistic yeah. than those two moments do. And so, I get I I. I I defy anyone who uses the digital overly use of digital stuff. Yeah, I, I just say you're stupid. That's like saying they use too many models well, in the like, original trilogy. It's like the obnoxious viral vi- uh, image that you would see of George Lucas surrounded by models, and mm-hmm. then they like, oh, and then here he is for the prequels, and he's just standing in front of a blue, blue screen. screen. And that image always bugged me because I would just want to forward uh, emails of Return of the Jedi shots with green screen screen in the background. Sure, from the well, speeder bike chases. There was always green screen stuff used yeah. in. I mean, you know, Which the goal, it's not digital, but when they're pulling up to the Death Star, when they're approaching the Death Star in Episode Four, you know. The shot behind, it's a shot in the cockpit of the Falcon behind Luke, Han, Chewie, and Obi-Wan. They're staring out at a blue screen, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the model shop at Lucasfilm was in use and open until after Episode Three. The last movie Lucasfilm model shop did was Revenge of the Sith. Utapau, no when you go that. When you go down into Utapau, yeah. all model. Mustafar, when you're seeing yeah. wide shots of Mustafar, it's a composite of a model usage it's uh, it, it's not only the model, but it's also some composites from video they took of actual volcanoes and stuff, and yeah. then some digital work. But there's tons of model work that goes on. Uh, Phantom Menace, the stadium is models with Q-tips with fans blown up under them to give them a look of movement and motion, yep, you know, yep, in the stands. Yep. There's tons of model work in these things, and people just forget that that's the case. George Lucas, you know, when when Abrams started doing Episode Seven, and he was shooting on whatever millimeter film he's shooting on. I was disappointed because part of what Lucas did with these movies is he pushed the medium forward, you know? Yeah. And going to digital photography the way that he did with episode two, you know, push it so that these things could be preserved, mm-hmm. you know, that you'd never yep. have the degradation of film, but also 
it pushed the quality of theaters to show it. You know, he really was an advocate for digital projection Absolutely. in theaters. Was it Attack of the Clones one of the first IMAX feature films? I, 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 remember I, can't speak, the, I can't speak to that. I remember seeing or uh, advertisements for Attack of the Clones yeah, in IMAX. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Which, and that's the whole thing about this. When you're talking about filmmaking in general, the, the idea is using the artistic tools at your disposal to create a great story. And I think there's no better case than can be made, kind of going back to that last act of Attack of the Clones. And this is kind of top of mind because I was recently down uh, visiting Scott Rifen, good friend mm-hmm. of the show. Sure. Um, and he, I was telling my Star Wars story. And one of the big moments early on was uh, a friend of mine had just watched Attack of the Clones, and I hadn't even seen the film yet. This is around summer 2002, and we would reenact the last lightsaber battle between Dooku and Anakin and Obi-Wan. And, of course, he, would, uh, he was kind of the conductor because he knew all the dialogue, and uh, he always made himself Count Dooku because, A, he was tall, and, and, right. and B, it's Count Dooku. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, like, we were the kids playing Star Wars. And I, going back to, I guess, the very beginning of our comments, um, when I sit down on the bench at Disney World, I'm like, God, I, it's still hard. And I've, I think I've mostly figured out how to let people express their fandom like they would like. And if the prequels aren't your thing, that's fine. But there's a part of my, a tiny remainder of my inner soul that played as Obi-Wan in that fight in 2002 when I hadn't even seen the movie <laughs> with the plastic lightsabers <laughs> blooding my knuckles. And I'm like... Come on, guys! These films were—they're here for us too, man. <laughs> well, they were. Yeah. You know that's the thing. And yes, and and like any criticisms of these films, um, it's it's very it's easy to make some structural criticisms or story criticisms, but I think sometimes the the effects uh, criticism is a bit of a uh, you know crutch. Uh, Fantasia two thousand was the first IMAX feature-length movie. Okay, so a so few years, two years preceding. That's right. Do your math. I know. I was like, Good job. I'm thinking there. Good job. Um, so I, I, I didn't... So everyone will know, Riley Blanton made that claim, not myself. <laughs> I just said that, yes, it did play in IMAX theaters. In fact, it had to be edited down at the time to play in IMAX theaters because... Um, the really? Film, yeah, because of the way the film reels work and everything. So there's an... I'd like to see so the IMAX a, wait, edit. This, so there's an IMAX edit that's... Wait a second. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, they had to chop about 20 minutes off. Like, they had to get it down to two to, hours, I think. Shout out to a, a relative of mine who shall remain nameless. Uh, had a pirated copy of Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. on his computer. And he's like, yeah, watch this. Yeah, Occupy your time this way. And so, like, 14-year-old Riley was watching Attack of the Clones. And I remember seeing uh, Padme... Uh, Falls out of the gunship, mm-hmm. and the clone trooper runs off, and he's like, are you all right, man? Mm-hmm. And she says, ah, yes. I'm like, wait, what? Okay, now wait a minute. Instead of, the, uh-huh. Right. Now, that was in the now, original it, cut. That was in the theater. The yes or the uh-huh? The yes. Okay. And, and when they released it on DVD, they changed that up a little bit for her to go, uh-huh. Because it made more sense for her to not be all of a sudden... Yes, yes, you know. Double, double, double. Yes, right. I'm yeah, all right. That's, and that's how it felt like watching the movie Which theater. is hilarious because, and there are these moments, especially since I watched each of these films, usually with older siblings or my parents for the first time. So there are these moments that I still remember the first time I watched it that would garner particular laughter or derision or joy. Like there are these certain moments that I just remember from that first viewing. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw Attack of the Clones on VHS, right. and the uh-huh comes on, uh... I remember my older brother just burst out laughing because he thought, I don't know why he thought it was so fun. I mean, yes, it's kind of a dry line, but for some reason it really cracked him up. 
Uh, so it's weird. Those small moments stick with you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and there's a lot of neat edits, especially with the Blu-ray releases. There were a lot of little edits they pulled in Attack of the Clones oh, yeah? and Revenge of the Sith, where, uh, especially that work a lot better, especially the scene at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith when Obi-Wan and Anakin are on the elevator and R2 is doing the slow burn. And rather than, they used to do a thing where it would cut to R2 for a longer period of time and then cut back to Anakin Obi-Wan. And now they cut back and forth between them talking about R2 while he's blowing up the super battle droids. Okay. And it makes for, it makes for the, the comedy's better and you see the slow burn that R2's going through a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a difference, but yeah, they they I'd like to see the IMAX the IMAX edit of Attack of the Clones. So you just said, to is see, that a two hour sub two hour? It length? had to be two hours, I think, because at the time I don't know if it's still this way. And what is Attack of the Clones? Two twenty six. Two twenty something, yeah. I'm now I'm terribly curious if I nailed two twenty six. Uh, well, let's find. Uh, All right, Riley, room to the uh, rescue. If only or there was. Of, if there's only a segment on 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 your Gulliver's programming that perfectly introduced this. Keep going. Keep oh, vamping. Uh, <laughs> that perfectly would introduce such an occasion. Everyone. Let me Google that for you. You need the let me vamp that for you proceeding for the let me That's Google right. that Indeed. for you. That's right. Indeed. Let me vamp for you. Vamp for me. Vamp uh, failure. Two hours and 22 minutes. <clears throat> two hours and Four 22 minutes. minutes. Yeah. You went over, mm. so you you do not advance to the next uh, round. Boom, 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 boom. Um, I'm the worst. By the way, on that whole IMAX thing, that was John Swinimer chiming in in the chat on you. So you've been Swinimered. Oh, nice Swinimer. Who I briefly saw. Uh, I think we said hi. I know I saw saw John from a distance. From a distance. Um, oh. <laughs> at uh, the opening ceremonies line. Um, oh yeah. Or I guess the JJ panel. What was the actual name? I never actually. I think what they called it. I keep calling it opening ceremonies. Well, I'm sorry. I take that back. I've heard the JJ panel and the openings, but I think officially it was the opening ceremony. Okay. Yeah. No. I I I, I think John was in the main room because and I know Swinger was rocking a gold shirt at one point. Ah, nice, nice. So as was I, by the way, taking great pride and I was taking great pride. I was taking great pride in that too. I guess we should say just in case that uh, this show is brought to you guys by Audible.com. You can get your free 30-day trial right now at audible.com by heading over to uh, audibletrial.com slash geekout. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Let me tell you something. Steve, what is um, audible.com? Well, Riley, I think that anyone listening to the podcast knows exactly what audible.com is. It is your leading provider of audio entertainment with over 150,000 titles to choose from, audiobooks, fantastic titles to choose from in all genres from nonfiction to fiction. I think that covers the broad scope. So uh, audibletrial.com slash geekout for your free 30-day trial. Cancel anytime. No obligation. You you get to keep you get a free audiobook with that, and you get to keep that bad boy no matter what you choose to do with your Audible membership. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. And I thank Jimmy and Georgia, our remote producer and content provider, for getting me hooked up with that situation. Jimmy and Georgia always coming through, even though I don't come through for him very much. So... Do it forthwith. That means now. I got to check out this uh, Lords of the Sith book. Dude, you got to check out Lords of the Sith. You've got to. You were singing its praises earlier, and I don't know, man. I was. Total transparency, and I think I've said this on the show, but I started A New Dawn and Mm -hmm. never finished it. Started Tarkin, never finished it, and... Uh, in this one, I'm hearing good things. Dude, it's it's a lot better. They're still trying to find their footing in some of these 
books that took place before or during, you know, whatever the case may be, because you've got to be careful with how you write these characters. Yeah. But what Lords of the Sith did is it really firmly implanted Darth Vader once again as being, you know, this this total BA villain and Emperor Palpatine one upping him. You know, but and 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 we got away from whiny Vader where there are moments, you know, where he where he's a little bit shaken based on memories and stuff, but yeah. By and large, he's just he's Vader, you know. And there's, oh, I don't. I'm there's sold. a heartbreaking moment toward the end. It's just crazy. Well, and Vader, he's kind of so much back in the public conscious with, of course, the Force Awakens trailer shots mm-hmm. and the trailer now to season two of Rebels. Yeah. Everyone's seeing Vader's Vader's back in a big way, and that's really cool to see. Guess who's back? Mm. Back again. Vader's back. Uh, Riley, I here's the deal. Um, I want to I want to bring a few things up to you. Okay. You're, you're in South Georgia right now, and I don't know if you know this, but over on the Big Honkin Show, uh, we have something that we call we we've been on we've been on guard. Oh, yeah, because I believe there's a trend in the animal kingdom mm-hmm. of the animals trying to take over, and well, it, Steve, it, how how on earth? Everything from deer getting into hotels and houses to eagles dive bombing golf courses with sharks. True story. Oh, good heavens. True, true story. True story. Eagle used a shark as a bomb on a golf course. Uh, you got, you know, you got your various and sundry animal attacks. And, I was going to say, sure, that wasn't Harrison Ford. And such as, no, it was not. It was not. This was long before that. But, uh, but we call this impending uprising. Of the animals, well, we call it, Riley, the Animapocalypse. Let me turn the music up. Let's hear it. Apocalypse. Animapocalypse news, <laughs> Riley. <laughs> uh, you're in South Georgia right now. Now, up where you're at, mm-hmm. black bears are fairly common up in North Georgia. Mm-hmm. Once you get out into the woods, away sure, from the yeah. urban areas. <clears throat> Recently in Adele, Georgia, some people may call it Adele, mm-hmm. but this is now Rolling down. Rolling in the deep. No, no, no. Uh, a female bear and her cubs are getting a lot of attention. The bears were spotted on a city street in the city of Adel Monday. According to the Georgia Wildlife Rescue Association, black bears are common in North Georgia, but not in South Georgia. Georgia DNR, city of Adel Animal Control, and Adel Police are monitoring the bears. They're on, they're on stakeouts. <laughs> what, what do you think? Um, How does think, one monitor bears? Say, what's the process for monitoring bears? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they look like they're just buying some uh, popcorn over... Uh, taking an unusual interest in the uh, trash can over. Uh, yeah, bears are known to do that, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised uh, at that. Just make sure they don't leave it all over the street. Over. Maybe it's another girl. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. Well, maybe it's another girl. Wait for it. Wait for it. You'll get it in just a second. Uh, I'm sorry. Maybe it's another what? <laughs> Remember that one scene in Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I still don't get it. <laughs> Remember, it's like Obi Wan's all like blue, and he's all like, and oh, like, maybe. Uh, what's what's the other part of the see now I'm forgetting the other parts of the uh, scene. He no, he says it's top gassing. Okay, okay. Did you think he said maybe it's another girl? Yes. Wait, what? Is that what you thought he said? Yes, that's what he says. No, no, he's talking about um, number one. They're talking about some model of some ship or speeder or something that comes out. I'm and, talking about like the two stormtroopers. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um. And uh, and but no, they're not talking about girls. Let me let me see if I can find that scene. Obi Wan <laughs> powers down the tractor beam. Here we go. Oh man! And see now I have officially and totally successfully destroyed the the amazing Animal Apocalypse segment. Um, and my my greatest apologies are due. All I can see so, is the is the sound clip. Let me uh. Let me see um. All right. Uh, oh, here we go. As, as, as always, makes great radio. Okay, Google. Maybe it's another girl, Star Wars. That's not going to work. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. The I'm... misconceptions you had about Star Wars when you were a kid. Is that what it came up as? <laughs> was that your version of walk... Was that your version of dropping the mic and walking away? Was that your version of dropping the mic what and walking away? to me? How did I not know this? They said maybe... Oh, he says maybe it's another drill. Because they show up and they're like, you know what's going on? He says maybe it's another drill. This is a painful uh, realization to have on air, but for the last... Now I know what part you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, because ah. they show up. And he's like, uh, you know what's going on? And the guy says, I don't know, maybe it's another drill. And then they start talking about some speed or some ship. Hey, have you seen the new? And then Obi Wan. Yeah, no, I know exactly. He's like, what was that? Uh, nothing. Top gas. I think I'm. Um, guys, I'd like to announce um, the retirement of the Star Wars Report podcast. It's been a good run. <laughs> I can't believe I. I can't believe I missed that. Are you kidding me? So yeah, the first thing that comes up. So I always thought it was maybe it's another girl, and I, I'm willing to bet a thousand dollars. <laughs> that I was fooled. <laughs> Who told you that? No, it's just for, it's one of those things where you hear it one way and you always have. <laughs> I feel like I just need to let it play for a second while I recover. Today we mourn the loss of the Star Wars report. Mark Herleman is crying into his C-3PO somewhere. <laughs> wow. We also mourn the loss of this bit of the Animal Apocalypse news. <laughs> so tragic oh man what's there so, wasn't even an apology there what's so tragic man is, is that it makes sense or, or or tell me am i crazy because i was assuming because you always hear the comm chatter throughout the death star and they're like well princess Leia's escaped everyone's after her so they would be talking about the escape so it would make sense that like what was that noise maybe it's another girl you know and that's what I, that's what i always thought but hmm. but alas it was to not be true no to be discovered not. on air on a on a bit drowning another bit. <laughs> I did, I thought you were dropping the mic and walking away. Oh, <laughs> because I thought you'd found like I'm totally validated in thinking this. No, no, no. So, so, no you but what me. you saw First was link was uh, old force.net forum that is uh, titled "The Misconceptions You Had mm. When You Were a Star Wars Kid," mm. and everyone's talking about how they had the misconception too. So should I be consoled that I've discovered this? <laughs> 
Well, you on know, air on a forum post from August twenty eighth, two thousand two. Yeah. I, well, I don't think you should be consoled as much as you should just, you know, just it's okay. I'm questioning it all, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I I I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other things that you might have. What are some other quotes that you think you know? <laughs> I wish I could ask that question well, right now. Well, obviously everyone thinks it's Luke, I am your father when it's not. Right. It's like, it's no, I am your father. And there right. are a bunch of them, but I thought I was past all that. Yeah. And I wasn't. Um, I know for some reason, for a long time in my life, when Yoda is dying, spoiler alert, uh, and he's talking to Luke, and Luke says, you know, Yoda, I must know. He is Darth mm-hmm. Vader my father. And Yoda says, your father he is. Somewhere, I don't know if it's in a storybook tape, Mm-hmm. Or something, but the added line is, and fa- or but face him you must. That even sounds vaguely familiar. Your to father me. he is, but, but face him you must. Or and face I him it, you must. And face him you must is what sounds familiar. Yeah, to me. it's it's somewhere in a in a. It's not in the audio dramas because this has been with me all my life. Yeah. Because whenever I hear him say that, was I always. In a my, cut, do you think it was in a cut of the film? No, I think it was in. They used to do like the storybooks on tape where you'd follow along, read okay. along, and I yeah. think it was probably in that. Um, growing up as a kid, like listening to the tape and the, the, the story of Return of the Jedi on tape. See, and, that, that, and I wouldn't recognize it then, but it does, maybe it's just the, that it makes sense to me. It does. It sounds it's, right, it doesn't it? It sounds right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of other things. A lot of people think that um, Luke hollers Carrie at the end of uh, Star Wars after he blows up the oh, Death yeah, Star. Oh, I have heard that before. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's some other ones, but none of them come to I the, can't think to the of any. Of yeah, I yeah. can't think of any that I used to think that was being said and, and didn't. Because this is the kind of thing that usually happens like in song lyrics, where That's you, true. you think it happens all the time. That's true. And I'll be honest with you, I have sung some song lyrics in my past, mm-hmm. just inserting words that aren't words, thinking that maybe it's a word that I don't know what it is, and never bother <laughs> to look it up. Nice. <laughs> you know? So. Oh, man. <laughs> Sabadabba, is. <laughs> Anyhow, Adel Georgia, Riley, just so you'll know, A-D-E-L. Uh, um, is rolling in the deep. No, what? Is, is, no, no, no. A, this isn't. No, there's a fire there. No, this is not heart. the singer. This is not the singer. Adele. <laughs> this is down. This is down in Cook County, Georgia, right? Um, which is. Uh, let me see how far. Let me see how far it is from me right now. You got to stop. Okay. It's down near Moultrie, down in the down near Valdosta, the okay. Valdosta area. And uh, on I seventy five, about an hour and a half from here. And there's yeah. there's a bear, uh, a mama and his cub, her cub. Um, police are monitoring it, according to the. Wait, was one of the officers like, maybe it's another drill? And then there's your edit point, and it's then just too late, too late for that. It's too late, Luther. Too <sighs> late. Um, according to the GWRA, black bears are not naturally aggressive, but the mother would probably react to protect her cubs. If she believes they are in danger. If you see the bears, do not approach them. <laughs> Listen, contact authorities immediately. Hey, yeah, I just over here, I saw these bears. Y'all told me to contact you. Can I shoot them? Uh, ma'am, uh, please do not shoot the bear. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's I'm a sir. Bear, bears I'm a sir. <laughs> I'm a sir. I don't know why you called me ma'am. 
<laughs> I'm so sorry, sir. Uh, but you got to realize that the bear, bears are really rare. Bears are really rare, especially down south Georgia. Black bears, you can't, we can't have anything down to black bears. So I can't shoot it? Well, I mean, is it an immediate danger? Oh, my God, can? it's coming right for me. <laughs> shoot it. Shoot it. <laughs> so South Georgia, watch out. Bears are on the loose in South Georgia. Black bears. The black bear is a, is a more docile bear it'll still rip you to shreds the black bear is the alligator of the bear family you know alligators are not as aggressive as crocodiles did you know that i did not know that but anything if it's hungry you are really well prepared for this end of apocalypse it, well you gotta be <laughs> I, because let me tell you what's not real zombie apocalypse mm -hmm. i don't have to be prepared for, but for an animal apocalypse i better know what my i better know my stuff mm -hmm. better know my stuff well i'm impressed sir this is why i'll never go swimming in australia mm -hmm. you know because of the saltwater crocodiles uh the great white sharks and the Irukandji. You familiar with the Irukandji? I'm not familiar with the Irukandji. Irukandji is the smallest jellyfish. Is I think the smallest jellyfish in the world. I'm going to leave your house terrified. But Riley, also the most deadly. Like, all right, so we're talking smallest jellyfish. Like, how small? Like, boom. Like, I'm holding my fingers up about an inch, guys. Like, tiny, tiny. Almost microscopic. Like, smaller than this Luke Skywalker Smaller than figure. the Luke Skywalker action figure. This 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 treacherous world. Yeah, yeah. He held up a Bespin Luke Skywalker from the Hasbro Vintage Collection series, guys. By the way, so uh, let me let me uh, I tell you what I'm going to do. Let me Google that Irukandji thing for you here, just to kind of let me Google that for you. Just to really make you scared, Irukandji jellyfish. Well, hello there. It's an Irukandji. That's my I think best. it's That's my Aussie accent. Look, Riley, this guy. Mm. I don't know if you can see that or not, but I'm, see that guy holding right. up the little vial? Lean around here. Lean around here. All right. See that little... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That looks... Wait a second. Yeah. That looks like... It looks like it could be a miniature version of, like, the thing from the end of uh, Avengers. What, what were those terrible creatures of death that uh, Iron Man's like, I'm bringing the party to you. I don't see those how that's are the a party. No, this doesn't look like a Leviathan it doll. Looks, no, 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 no. Talk about like the, the guy. It's up against his nose. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. staring at him. Right, he is. But see right there? There it is next to some match tips. Look at that. Look at that Look at that so, sting that that guy got from the Irukandji. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they're not dangerous <clears throat> or deadly, I mean. No, it's deadly. IrukandjiJellyfish.com. Well, maybe it's not. Te oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Inhabits the water of Australia. It's a deadly jellyfish, which is only two and a half centimeters in diameter. I'm sorry, but but you you've got some great information here. Mm -hmm. But what's your source? IrukandjiJellyfish.com. That's got to be true. Irukandji <laughs> uh, is believed to be the most venomous creature in the world. The term Irukandji refers to an Australian no, Aboriginal second, tribe. This, wait a second. Is this like most dangerous animal in the world because it's tiny? So like proportionately poison wise, it is. Um, this is a species of jellyfish that's, known, that's been known about in recent years due to the deaths of swimmers in Australia. In 2002, Richard Jordan uh, was stung while swimming off the coast of De Hamilton. He was a British tourist, 58 years old. Unfortunately, he died a few days later. Days. Days. Writhing in pain and agony. Crikey. The species of deadly, je deadly jellyfish is related to another deadly jellyfish, the Medusa della Box. Those box jellyfish. It was identified in 1964 by Dr. Jack Barnes. It has stingers not only on its tentacles, but also on its bell. Like, see, normally with most jellyfish, you can mm -hmm. pick up the bell. That's his head. Not this one. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Don't you touch it. 
Uh, it's very small and fragile. It cannot be kept in a normal aquarium because if it hits the side, uh, the impact will kill it. The, this is particularly terrifying to yeah. me because I have I've never encountered uh, black bears, Mm-mm. but I have encountered jellyfish. Right. My family, because I grew up overseas, as, as many, if you guys listen to Star Wars Report, I've, I've told the story a number of times of growing up overseas, but not encountering deadly, weirdly clear jellyfish with tiny, tiny black flecks covering them. Mm-hmm. It's about, there's this jellyfish that was about the size of my palm closed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the problem is... So your fist? I mean, yeah. Okay. You say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I prefer, I, I mean, palm closed, fist, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we were on um, a family uh, retreat. This was at the time, so this is at the time of the, the Clinton bombings near in, in Afghanistan. So this is what, mid-90s, and we went on like a family retreat, This I want to say this was 99, uh, approximately a few months before The Phantom Menace would be released. Anyway, back to the deadly jellyfish. I encountered this thing on the beach, not because I saw it from a distance. So it was deadly? I mean, I am technically here today. Okay. Um, it stung you? It just removed the word fist from my vocabulary. <laughs> okay. It's Oh, nice. <laughs> See what I did there? Well played. Uh, exactly. Um, no, so we were on a retreat to Thailand um, because we were in Peshawar, Pakistan at the time, so we had to. We had to get out of there fast. Right. Uh, because they were shutting down the embassy and the airport. Sure. It's crazy. So, like, in the midst of that, we go on this retreat. This is what we were told at the time. Right. For me, it was, hey, we're flying on a plane to a place that has a beach. A holiday, it was, as it were. I mean, it was Thailand, uh, but, hey, there was a beach. But this jellyfish, I tell you, Steve, it was as clear as this glass that I'm holding Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see, and this is amazing radio. And um, as clear as a glass, ladies uh, and gentlemen. It brushed against my leg. Yes. And I couldn't see it. I I could mm-hmm. feel it. Yes. And couldn't see it. Yes. I looked down. Yes. And I was, I'm like, what is brushing against my leg? Mm-hmm. And I still can't see it. Mm-hmm. And then I see all these tiny black flecks mm-hmm. moving around. And mm-hmm. then I realize they're attached to this nearly clear, translucent jellyfish. Mm-hmm. And I, nine-year-old me fled back to the beach. It didn't sting you? Uh, no, I okay. got away. I'm I'm still here today. Is it? But was but it I'm deadly? To tell the, I, in my, are you kidding? To that nine-year-old, it was To the nine-year-old, it was. I've never seen okay. anything like that. And so now you're bringing up all these horrible memories, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the country. Okay, because I have been stung by a jellyfish okay. before. Um, a couple of times, down off the coast of St. Simons. All right. These are just your average run-of-the-mill jellyfish, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just your normal jellyfish. And I remember the first time I got stung, it felt like I was... It felt like my leg, I was I was like riding on my dad's back as he was moving back toward our group on the water hanging out. And my so my feet were kind of dragging mm-hmm. and it felt like my leg went through a spider web that just, I, this is how I described it, five-year-old Steve, felt like a spider web that stung. Mm. And so they're like, you got stung by a jellyfish and they pull me up and yeah, it was on, and it swells up a little bit, you know, but yeah. after the pain finally dies down, you, you'll have some swelling and itching, but nothing... It hurts. And, th- you know, as an adult, I've been stung by those jellyfish and just kept right on rolling, you know. no, but, You know, it's like, oh, that hurt. And then just kind of went on about my business. But, um... Well, I just still flee the ocean if I see one. Yeah. Well, a lot of people do. Um, but it's not... Uh, but it's no era kanji. And that's why I will not swim in Australia. I'm, I'm doubtful to go to ever go to Australia. Everything there is trying to kill you. They've got the most venomous snakes. Snakes, not steaks snakes they've got uh, the crocodiles yeah. they've got yeah. um they've got all kinds of venomous spiders and such as but they have koala bears mm. so see, i'm really torn yeah 
when, when, all right, how long until a killer koala bear story breaks on uh, an apocalypse? And at that point, will you be willing to totally swear off? Um, Australia? Australia. I may be. If, the, if I find out that a koala killed somebody, I may very well be. Way up in Fayetteville, I'll just hear a distant, I'm done! No more Australia for me. <laughs> they've got some amazing wildlife down there as well. You know, they've got the little lizard that will rise up on its hind legs and its flaps will See, come out gonna, and it'll come running at you. If you're going to visit an exotic location, it's got to be New Zealand, right? New Zealand seems safer, but they have the they share waters with Australia. So I'll never go I'll never go swimming off the coast of New Zealand either. Oh, okay. They share waters with Australia. I mean, it's a fair point. Yeah. Now, is New Zealand? It's over to the. If you're looking at a map, mm. it's over to the right, the west, the east of Australia. It would be the east. Okay. How big is New Zealand? About. I don't want to get into it. Of the. Of the two islands, the uh, South Island is much uh, less populated. But I don't know which one's bigger. And it's my, that's that's like, right. There are two islands. It's like it's like Hawaii, only with fewer islands. That's <laughs> <laughs> very much. How many I mean, islands does Hawaii have? Oh, oh man! All right. Well, we could always take a guess uh, and take a stab at it on air. I would like to do that. If only we had a segment. Well, we'll but... get there. But first, I want you to guess. All right. All right. Um, I want you to guess, and I'll guess. So, do these have? Because there's so many smaller ones. We are, are we going with populated islands? No, we're going with how many islands Just make total. up the, the, the United States territory state mm-hmm. of Hawaii. Hawaii. Um, let's go with nine. Nine. I was going to say seven. All right. <laughs> now, how many islands does... Okay, Google. Does uh, How many islands in Hawaii? Does Hawaii have? Let me Google that for you. Eight. Eight. Riley was closest without going over. Man. Wow. Now, is that talking about populated islands? Because someone in the chat said hundreds. Yeah. There are eight main islands, mm-hmm. which make up the state of Hawaii. Okay. We've got Hawaii, Maui, Ohio. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Go ahead. <laughs> Continue, please. Idea. This is fun to watch. Go ahead. <laughs> so, there's so much evil pleasure being taken by Stephen. This. Uh, uh, Oahu, Kahulaui, Lanai, Molokai. Kauai and Nihau. Nihau? I don't. I don't. I, Nihau. Wrong, real, wrong islands. Nihau. Okay. <laughs> but are there more little bitty islands? I'm, yes. It's Where is be. Fiji? Uh, you got me. Is that like in the in the Pacific, uh, like around? Yeah. Do Yap- I? Japan and the Philippines and such as. Where is Thailand? Uh, Thailand is in Southeast Asia. Okay. Located in a, a grander peninsula that is generally in the global location of uh, Australia and New Zealand. Are you reading this right no, now? No. Okay. I'm looking up Fiji. Are you... Wait a minute. It's in the same global location as Australia and New Zealand? No. All right, so... Uh, How is that possible? My primary geography from memory is I thought Australia via... was down south of Africa. <laughs> no, it's not, Steve. <laughs> All right, so wh- where's the globe? Now, we wait a minute. Aust- okay. Let's start here. Here's my hand. This is North America and South America. Sure. Mm -hmm. Then you have the Atlantic Sea. Yep. And you have up here, Europe and Asia. Sure. And then down here. You're literally drawing a risk board, aren't you? And then down here is Africa. (laughs) And in Australia, like right there? Like right there? Um, I wouldn't, like... The, the phrase like right there, I don't mm-hmm. think applies, but yes, generally speaking. Out in the Pacific, down the Southern Pacific. Sure, sure, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it closer to Hawaii or Africa? 
South Africa. Oh, I would say it's definitely closer to Africa. Okay. Also, somewhere I'll never go swimming off the coast of, South Africa. Oh. For that is where Air Jaws lives. That's where those... That's where... I have no idea what these Air Jaws Oh, are. my Lanta. Have you never watched Shark Week on Discovery Channel? I have not. This is... Uh, Riley, there is a place where it's like a... It's like a bottleneck for seal travel. <laughs> the seal... Right. The seal traffic just bottlenecks seal. into this little place, and so the the sharks, the great whites, will literally start to rise up to go after the seal, and they will launch themselves out of the water. They will come at such force it's at like the seal. It's like the Jurassic World trailer. They right? launch, yes. Only they come out their whole bodies like floppy fish, like gigantic floppy fish, great white, and bam, back in the water. They call it air jaws. I've got to see. There's got to be like a Tumblr gif of this, somewhere. dude. There's listen. This is the this is the world of wonder we call the internet information age, and uh, here we go. Just just go to YouTube, Air Jaws, oh, Air Jaws. Oh, I'm already seeing pictures of this. Good heavens! Amazing video of flying sharks. Yeah, right here, man. Amazing video. I'm on the same thing. Discovery Sharks is the. Uh... Oh wow! Now you're here. I've got it right here, buddy. All right, all right. I just got to get through the ad. For Denny's. <laughs> I'm sure. Look at this. Look at this mess right there. Watch that shark. Watch him. Oh my goodness. But wait, this is just a close up. <laughs> I feel like he's singing. Yummy. Look how big that thing is, man. That's so that's a seal. Now watch him come out all the way. Yeah. 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 The seal is like proportionately if I were munching on... Look at that! He came up and did a belly flop. Oh, the music timed really now, well. Now, some of these things are... Like, this is a decoy on a line, you can tell, that looks like a seal. It's like a decoy that they're getting it to attack. And look, he comes all the way head over tail, or tail over head, and back Wait, in. Wait, so there's a decoy line? Yeah. This implies that this is a sport? No, 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 no. This is just them filming. They put that out there behind the boat to film what the sharks were that doing. That sounds a lot like a sport. No, no, but they don't catch the shark. They, these guys are like, hey, guys, let's go out and some film some sharks. <laughs> this is Discovery Channel. Look at that. Look at that complete 180 flip coming up out of the water with his head. I, I don't know what those little things are, but they make me uncomfortable to look at. <laughs> On his underside there. Don't swim off the coast of South Africa, Riley. And definitely don't take a surfboard out there. It's crazy. They just keep going. And they have to do it in slow motion because it happens so fast. Happens incredibly quickly. It happens super fast. It's a brave new world I'm discovering. It happens in an amazing speed. You need to watch Shark Week on the Discovery Channel when it's it's Shark Week. Shark Week's one of the best things ever. So, I mean, I hear everybody loves Shark Week, and I, I, I don't even really know what it's about until I guess I do now. Yeah. Now, uh, Sarah in the chat says, anything will kill you if you piss it off. I, d- I disagree. I ticked Riley off. Didn't realize that Riley hadn't killed me. Uh, he's still here. Yeah. <laughs> For now. <laughs> what is this trip all about, Riley? What is this trip up through Georgia all about? So, um, so anyhow, where were we at? Oh. So there's a lot of weird stuff out there trying to kill you. That there is. Okay. Uh, but how about this? In Terrace, British Columbia, nearly two years ago, uh, there, were some, uh, there were some people who caught on tape or on video 
some eerie howling noises that haunted okay. the city of Terrace, B.C. Definitely ghosts, right? Uh-huh. On Tuesday, Melissa Harris was on the phone at home when she heard a strange sound, according to CBC News. She captured the booming on video and eventually posted it to YouTube. So let's let's Wait, give this so a listen. Is, so if I may take a, a brief guess. Mm-hmm. He says it's booming, right? Yes. That's what it said just then. I want to I'm going to give you 3 uh Riley booms and okay. you tell me which one you think is going to be the closest. Okay. All right, so we've got boom. All right, there's number all right, 1, right? All right. Just in case you just just to make sure. All right. Boom. That's number 1. Okay. All right. All right. Number 2 is Right. That's, All right. I mean, okay. You may think that's back the to your star. back you to your death star stuff. You might, but it's not. That's definitely the second. Now come on. Mm-hmm. That's the second boom. Mm-hmm. Not the death star. All right. All right. Just make sure we're on the same page. And the last one is. Got it. Wait. I, no, I didn't hear that one at all. <laughs> that's the point. Okay. One more time. There it is. All, All right. right. All right. Got All right. it. Well, here we go. Well, dude, wait a second. Wait. Yeah. Jump, jump the gun, Steve. Which one are you thinking? Which one? I'm thinking none of those. <laughs> Seems like I don't want to. I'm thinking it's going to be closer to the second one, if anything. Okay. I've not heard this audio yet. So you're actually so we're going to hear the Death Star. I mean, not the Death Star. Oh, see. All right, here we go. Did you hear that? I definitely did. Sounds like the Tatooine street musician on the uh, extended Phantom. Maybe it's over. At this point, you've got to follow that noise. That sounds mechanical to me, doesn't it? Do you? It sounds like the Tatooine street singer. The ta- I don't know the Tatooine. All right, if you have the extended um, soundtrack <coughs> to the Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. pull that sucker up because there's an eerie similarity to like this this howling drunken street musician, right there, right there, right there. That sounds just like this street musician from the Phantom Menace. Of course, you, uh, this woman is standing. Let me see this video. Though. It's just she's just standing behind some bushes. It looks like on the. It looks like there's across the highway some type of shopping center or something. This sounds like some mess going on with some trucks. I mean, it sounds mechanical. I could I could see that like a large piece of equipment making some sort of creaking noise. Right, right. That's I mean that's well, really. I think and the, the the creepy factor is the almost musical nature of the sound. Indeed, right? indeed. That's... Like I got some chills going up my spine right now. Yeah. I'm kind of creeped out by this whole situation. Um I I hope I hope that uh <sighs> I can tell it's 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 like gotten to you a little bit. Yeah, listen, here's what it said. She captured the booming on video and eventually posted on YouTube. In the moment, I had goosebumps on my arm. Harris tells the outlet. Two days later, another resident, Catherine Wookie. Tell me no. All right, two E's? No, W-O-O-K-E-Y. But still, this is a hairy woman. (laughs) Recorded similar sounds that started up while she was having her morning coffee, reports Global News. Do we have a second example? Well, I think this is the first example. And I didn't play the first... No, this... mm, 
No, wait, no, I, we do have a second example. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I It had you. a science fiction feel to it, she told the outlet. It was eerie. Wookie also happened to catch the similar ear-shattering sounds in 2013. Now, this is from a different place. Oh, that's nice and clear. It's it's half creepy machinery and half Vuvuzela. Yeah. With some whale with some whale song. So, Steve, you hear the sound, right? Yes. You're walking you're you're walking down the street, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like riding along in my automobile. And uh, you hear this. You hear the does, booming? Do, does I wonder if that's just wind. Yeah, that's just wind blowing. Okay. Do you follow the sound? Yes. Out of, Yes, I'm. I would be with this because it sounds so mechanical. Yeah. Are you sure you would follow the sound? Yeah, because you know what? In the moment, like here, it has been set up as an eerie sound in this town. In the moment, first hearing it, I wouldn't think, "Oh my lord, what is this eerie sound?" I would think, "Who is loading something up?" Like I would start to find what it is. You know, I. Uh, is this a train town, you know? Are yeah. there trains that come through here? Because it sounds like it could be a train with some really squeaky braking happen. I mean... But the pit, the, the weird... All right, so the one thing it's about the, the mechanical way it goes, thing, the, the pitch going up and down, yeah. it's instead of being a steady or patterned mm-hmm. sound, so like if it was loading or equipment working, you would think there would be some sort of pattern to it. Mm-hmm. But there really isn't. Yeah, you know, it, it, but still, again, if you if you've got a train... On the tracks, yeah, not off the track. If you've got a train rolling, and and it's kind of stopping and going to something, it's not gonna, you know, depending on how long that stop is, depending on what's going on. I don't know. I just don't know. You know, um, I don't know, man. That sounds like a train that would be stopping and then going forward slowly and then going to reverse. And if I saw that, I would run. <laughs> um, many residents offered up their theories of the unnerving sounds from ranging from aliens to pranks and even the second coming. At the time, the city of Terra said on their Facebook page. Uh, that the booming was caused by the grader blade being used nearby. Exactly. See, so they're grading the road with a truck. I really thought grader blade was going to be the name of like some vigilante in the Greater town. Grader blade. <laughs> Guys, it's okay. It's just grader blade taking care of crime in our neighborhoods. <laughs> well, oh, that makes sense. And, but why would you... Here's the thing. You, why would you... Mm, <laughs> I, mm, City of Terror is covering up something there because I'm looking at paved streets here. Graders are used for like dirt roads and such as, right? Okay, sure, and yeah. and I guess if you're paving a road, you'll grade it, you know, because it's all about leveling that 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 thing off. But I mean, it sounds like they're going over pure. I don't know. That sounds like metal on metal grading is what that sounded like. Or and even if it was like metal on asphalt and it was making that sound somehow, it would not be pitching up and down all no, over the no, place. No, 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 no. The only way it's going to pitch up and down like that is, is on metal on metal, with the different various grooves and stuff in the metal hitting different places. I can't see that being on the asphalt. I just can't. Or concrete, if it's one of those concrete roads. It's definitely not dirt. Yeah. You know, I've never seen a grater on dirt. And it's not snowing, so it's not like it's the snowplow grater being used. I mean, this is this is green grass showing everywhere. I am. It doesn't have an, the city. Hold on. That's from 2013. The city doesn't have an explanation yet for the latest audio mystery. How about that? Sounds like a job for Greater Blade Man. Now let's see. Here, this is this is another one. 
This is someone further away from the noise. Now right there, it sounds kind of like a train horn. That sounds a lot wow. more mechanical. And yeah, then until that, that one. then at the end of that er, that could be a greater blade. It could be. But I don't know what they're grading. And the thing is, regardless of what this creepy musical sound is, we need to forward this onto Matthew Wood. Like, stat. Why? Uh, I think it needs to be the opening. Uh, you know how usually it's the opening trailer, if I may, for um, The Force Awakens teaser one goes, and it's like, and then you hear the fade in uh, of the music. Instead, it just needs to be for episode one. No, the for teaser one for, for yeah. That just starts out with that uh, that um, it starts out with a what we need instead. From, is what this, is that? What is that thing called? You said Vuvuzela, but there's another word. Didgeridoo. Didgeridoo. It starts yes. out with the didgeridoo. Like it was in the Phantom Menace. Yeah, because right? that's episode one, the teaser. No, oh, are you talking about the Force Awakens? I'm talking teaser? about the Force Awakens. The second and, one or the first one? Uh, the first one, because I don't know what you're talking about. Well, no, I'm just saying this no noise needs to be input there because that way, when you turn it up, it's like blah, 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 and suddenly, boom! John Boyega hears the noise, and that's your start. Mm, Get it? it? No. It's like John Boyega jumps in the. But I don't, I don't remember, and... yeah, I don't, they don't have a weird thing that happens there. Listen, listen right, to this, Ron. Right. Maybe I'm thinking of teaser two. It's just the wind blowing. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Yeah, that's just John Williams' music. <laughs> Over the sands of Jakku. Which you're convinced is going to be Tatooine? I don't know, man. I mean, the vo the, the uh, moisture evaporators are selling me. And it's, and it's dumb, because moisture evaporators could be anywhere. Any desert planet needs moisture evaporators. <laughs> but How do you think they're going to get their water? But just from a sheer marketing perspective... And storytelling perspective, why would you have a, tat a planet that looks exactly like Tatooine? It's a big galaxy, like Riley. Yes. And, and everyone I've talked to who didn't watch the actual panel live mm -hmm. assumes that that planet is Tatooine. I agree. So if they go into the movie theater and it's just a throwaway, oh, it's Jakku. Is that cooler or is it more cooler of the First Order? conquered this planet in a great battle because there was a great disturbance in the force because a great virgins was born here and a great battle took place and the first order holed up right there and defended the planet and maintained itself and renamed it Jakku. What if it's just a desert on a planet of Jakku? That's impossible in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can't have various and sundry... Mm -mm. Impossible. The Wookiees have the trees on the coastline. They've got a coastline in the ocean. Yeah, that's true. Although, it's still a jungly ocean, right? It, okay, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, I could be, I could be. I'm just saying, here's the thing. If they if they go with this stupid Jakku thing, 
not that Jakku is stupid. It's going to be stupid if it turns out to be Tatooine. Really? And they've just been using this name to cover it up. Even if it's just like a, if well, it's, it's now called Jakku and it used to be called Tatooine? I don't like that. I don't either. Because there'd still be people who call it Tatooine. It's better. But. Yeah. It, it'll always be Burma to me. I mean, it'll be that <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, who, is it Myanmar or is it Burma? Well, I mean, the good thing is, I think the greatest part of the case that it definitely is Jakku is because of JJ's long history of being very forthright with fan communities. And I think he would definitely never, ever try to trick anybody. That's true. That's true. He was very open about yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch playing Khan in the last. Star I remember Trek. the uh, the interview. Who was like, "Yeah, yeah no, definitely, it's definitely Benedict Khan. Khan is a really. I mean, yeah. I'm really excited about uh, Benny's performance here as Khan. Yeah, definitely yeah. happened. De- yeah, I, I, you're right. You're right. And you know, they, they really, and for Super Eight, he really revealed everything about what that mo- what that movie was. Yeah, absolutely. You know, right out of the gate. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember the the uh, first interview. He's like, "Did he you was, see Super Eight? He was all like, and it's right. Of course, it's like spoiler alert. Three, two, one. Uh, yes, yes. We're really excited about the movie, uh, and it's in the tower. It's the water tower. <laughs> no, it was underground. He was turning the I, water tower into funny a ship. I actually, never. I have not seen the film. I've just heard people really. Talk about it's really good. It's such a that. good throwback to like the seventies, eighties Spielberg type movies. So if. if I need to see like I need to see E.T. before I see that so that I know what it's based no, on. No, you don't. I mean, you don't. It, you don't have to. You okay. know, you can appreciate so it, it for what it is. It's one part Goonies, one part E.T., one part Close Encounters, one part you know something new. And I've seen Close Encounters. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there's one. Oh uh, yeah. So I see. Part of me wants, and that's kind of why I never watched. It, is like, mm-hmm. well, I should probably. It's such an homage to these other films that were of a of a time. Yeah, but I don't around. think you have to. That's like saying I'm not going to watch Cloverfield because I've not seen any of these other found footage movies. Okay. You know, it's, right. it's that kind of thing. Sure. It's um, it's a it's a great period piece. You know, I mean, you've got a. It's it's in the late seventies. You know, so you got kids who are doing stuff that you know kids were doing in the late seventies, riding their bikes around. You know, uh, they had their little Super 8 camera they were making movies with and stuff. It's just, it's a real cool, real cool stuff. And there's some, and there are some casting homages to some different things. Um, Did did you ever see Gremlins? No. Okay, well, then this, then I'm not going to get into it. We've played this game before, by the way. That's true. That's true. Why are we recording? I need to be showing you Gremlins. (laughs) Gremlins is one of the greatest movies of all times. Oh, yeah. Straight up serious business. Uh, so. That might have to be the next one on the list of like that era of films because that's that's when I've always heard like oh you've got a secret it is it's one of the first that movies goodies. that meant I you don't know if it's meant to scare you or make you laugh yeah. because it does a little bit of both and it's and this is the the Warwick Davis uh, thing no right? no no what am I thinking of then I don't know Warwick Davis was Leprechaun thank you Leprechaun. but this is Gremlins. This was a Spielberg joint, um, okay. and it's about this little cute little creature called a mogwai. His name, and they name him Gizmo. And there's three rules with a mogwai. All right. Don't expose them to sunlight. They hate bright light. They're basically allergic to bright light, but you can't expose them to sunlight. It'll kill them. Don't get them wet. Okay. And never, no matter what you do, never, no matter how much he begs, never feed him after midnight. Hmm. Right, so <clears throat> so basically me. Yeah, but what happens is 
Well, this begs the question. At some point in the film, somebody has to feed one of these things. Well, what happens is there's only one. His name's Gizmo. And some water pours on him and he gets wet. And all these other little mogwai come popping out of him. But they're mean. Oh. And they trick the, the dude into feeding them after midnight. And then they start to, they morph into these gremlins, these ugly green creatures who are just all out to terrorize the city. This sounds like... This is what the VeggieTales rumor weed episode was based on, right? I remember well, this. Maybe thing. this maybe. is what terrified me growing up. Was that episode? That was that was. Was my that first. a Larry Boy one? Yes, it was. It mm-hmm. was indeed. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a throwback. There you me. go. Some VeggieTales. No, man, you need to uh, you need to see Gremlins. It's yeah. and like I say, I don't know if it's meant to be funny or scary because it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, it's got some gross stuff in it. You know, some exploding Gremlins and that sort of thing. Would you put it in the same arena? Oh, what was the name? Is the Joss Whedon horror filmish thing with uh, Cabin in the Woods? Thank you, Cabin. No, in Cabin the... in the Woods was a lot more. Cabin in the Woods was a lot more homage to horror movies and stuff, kind of thing. Yeah. And 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 I think what was laughable, what's what you laugh at in this movie, you're meant to laugh at. So it's it's more along the lines of like an '80s action flick with okay. puppets. Um, and so it spawned a sequel. Gremlins 2, which was all straight up comedy and funny stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, nowhere near is no nowhere near with the uh, with the um, trying to scare elements or, or some of the intensity of the first one. It's it's one of the earliest PG thirteen movies is Gremlins, the original Gremlins, um, and uh, it's it's definitely worth it's definitely worth your time. I never understood when did um, the rating system change for films. <clears throat> what you talking about, Riley Blaine? So like. PG-13 was uh, an invention of the 80s, right? That's when it first came about. Yes, yeah, because there were movies that weren't quite R, mm-hmm. but they weren't really PG either. And, the and I Jones think, I think Temple way. of Doom is what turned their heads to make them do it. I th- Ghostbusters wasn't PG-13. I think it was another one that kind of made them. I know the first PG-13 movie I ever saw, well, I guess it was Gremlins. Okay. I didn't know it was PG-13 when I saw it. I, I, someone brought it over on videotape when my babysitter did, and we loved it. Um, but Spaceballs was one of the first PG-13 movies I was aware of being PG-13 okay. that I went to see. But now that's 86, you know, 85, 86-ish. So, um, but this, so right around that time, right around that t- time, um, uh, in fact, Dylan Newhouse in the chat says PG-13 invented for Temple of Doom. Okay, see, and that's what I had heard. Yes. Um, which makes sense, because... Because we haven't reconnected since um, I finished out the Indiana Jones trilogy. Well, it's a quadrilogy, Riley. Well, the original trilogy? No. Do we just have to say quadrilogy? You just have to say... They are making a new one. You watched more Indiana Jones movies is what you're saying. Fair enough. So, uh, Steve, I watched more Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, what'd you think? (laughs) Um, All right. I was confused by Temple of Doom. Why is that? I'm, I'm terrified that I have let... Because you know me. Mm-hmm. The the mass internet opinions of the world influence me. Sure, sure. You always do. Yeah. I <laughs> I, uh, I, I I sat down and I was during... I remember looking over at Bethany. We were watching at the same time. And I was like, this is so strange. It doesn't feel like Indiana Jones when you compare it to uh, Raiders. Right, right. And particularly just the extended... Very, very, so little of the movie was actually Indy's adventures, and it was the the extended sequences of the savages 
was just so tiring. It was sort of like a horror film. Right. And, it really was. And I did not expect it. I knew people to, people almost always universally say, from <clears throat> at least from people I hear, mm-hmm. uh, Temple of Doom is, is the least favorite. Yes. And I can kind of see why now. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I enjoyed... I really liked the last act of the film. Right. So it kind of... Uh, there were some points in the middle where I was like, wow, this is If Indiana good. Jones was kind of a throwback to adventure serials and stuff this was a throwback to those with a darker twist okay it lucas wrote it in a darker time in his life he was going through a divorce mm-hmm. and all this other stuff was going on um he all it's also one of the first prequels temple of doom takes place before raiders really yeah see and i did not know that yeah and so it's kind of like why he got into if you know because his motivations when they're sitting around he's like fortune and glory you know, in mm-hmm. short runs like Fortune and Glory. Um, you call him Dr. Jones, doll. Uh, it changes because by the time you get yeah. to the Last Crusade, he's like, that belongs in a museum. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he, this set him on a path of his experiences with the Chakra Stones and what went on with that village and everything. Yeah. It set him on a path of righteousness, so to speak. You know, a path that he apparently had forgotten. From the time that he was a child, yeah. At least that's my interpretation. No, I I enjoyed it, and, and again, this is I I saw these films last fall, and I want to say it was September when we finally sat down. So now it's all blurring together because I saw it once, which was the one that had the opening sequence with the flooding uh, tomb. That was la- that was Last Crusade, right? The opening sequence of Last Crusade was him as a boy. Or maybe it wasn't the opening sequence, but it was a scene with him and the girl. They're um, going through the sewers of yeah, yeah and then yeah, and that's Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. That the the pacing it was like it all brought it home, and that's what I really enjoyed Last. Oh Crusade. yeah, Last Crusade is bang 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 one thing into it because they go from the sewers there with that into a boat chase. Yeah, you know, um, and they go from that boat chase into the Nazi thing. You know, oh, yeah, with, yeah. where he mm-hmm. saves his dad and. They go from that straight into, an, you know, the motorcycle chase. And I just, I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, the plane yeah. and everything. I'll, my weapons will be the birds of the air. Um, and then they go from that into getting to Petra, you yep. know, to the, by the way, I don't, I don't know how well traveled you are. Have you ever been like to, to there, to Petra, to where I they have, filmed Last Crusade, where I they've got not. the, Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, no, you no. know, that's a lack. My dad, when we watched that as kids, he always made sure we knew that's an actual place. Um, wait, so wait, what is the geographical back to geography? It's down, it's near what? Israel. It's in the Middle East. Okay, so like I've been, like, in as much as I've been in and lived in the Middle East, yes, but uh, but no, I have not been to Petra. Okay, because Petra is, it is, uh, wow, let's get really deep here. Um, it is where. It is said that the uh, the Jewish people will Modern take day refuge. Jordan. Yeah, it said that said where they'll take refuge in the in the last days in in the in the end times, and there literally is like a city built into the walls there, um, just like you see. It doesn't go, you know. There's not like a doesn't go far back like it. My dad was always okay. like, "It's real." I'm like, "Is there really all that stuff?" There? He's like, "No, it just kind of ends in a wall in the back." But um, 
there's a more realistic portrayal of is actually in Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. You know where they go. Well, in that's like, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I, and it's funny because I've seen um, the first, second, and last and most recent Transformers films. Okay, total four, you didn't right? see the third one. You didn't see did, uh, which is weird. not through intention or anything. I just missed Dark it. of the Moon. No, <sighs> that's the best one. Movie night. <laughs> that's the best one. Dark of the Moon is the best one. So yeah, but no, Indiana Jones. <laughs> I can. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dylan Newhouse said, so this is where the Jews are going when the animals take over. <laughs> That's right. During the animal apocalypse, the Jewish nation, mm-hmm. the Israelites yep. will take will take refuge in the shelter of Petra. Amidst that canyon the... of the crescent moon. Uh, literally, my mom and dad went there, okay. and, and you can't, you have to walk or take an animal down. It, it's not really wide enough to get vehicles down and stuff. And so it's, it's a very fortified place. I think the Edomites built it originally. That's... That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. Indiana Jones, I could definitely see how it and why it became such a cultural phenomenon. And I really in, in, enjoyed it. Now I just have to see um, Crystal Skull and uh, wrap it all up. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Skull, if, <coughs> excuse me, if Raiders, it's really interesting because Crystal Skull is more of a throwback to Raiders and Raiders and Temple of Doom and Last Crusade are all throwbacks to like your 30s and 40s serials. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Skull is a throwback to your 50s B-movies. You know, the low-budget sci-fi fare. And it's it's really interesting. It, it's interesting when you look at it from that take. I, um, overall, I love that movie. There's one or two places where I'm like, eh. But by and large, love Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So if you had to choose between Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull, which Temple of Doom. Okay. Nah, yeah, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom because that movie. Do you remember the first bad movie that you saw? Oh man, um, no, not off the top of my head. See, I the first movie I ever registered in my mind as being, oh wow, that's not good, was The Island of Doctor Moreau in 1996, and I was 19 years old at that point. Okay, you know, um. Because to me, growing up, movies, when we got movies, it was always a big event. Sure. You know, yeah. and it was like, oh, this is going to be so good. This, you know, and, and, so, me, yeah. and so we'd watch it and it never registered, well, this isn't good. What registered to me as a kid watching Temple of Doom is, oh man, this is Indiana Jones doing his thing again. He's got the whip. He's got this. There's a kid there with him. You know, they're riding elephants. They're, you know, he's, oh my gosh, that dude's ripping people's hearts out. He's got Andy. Andy's bad. What's going? You know how they're going to get out of this? You know, and then boom, they get and then mine car flood all this stuff. You know, it's a big adventure. Um, So as a kid, totally loved it. You know, and it wasn't until I was older I'm like, oh, this is not as good as those other ones. You know, yeah. And and it's just it's well, it's that whole spirit. I think and and your case, I'm very much like you. And growing up, you got to remember so i i came back to the states around 2002 mm-hmm. and so overseas the only movies we'd ever watch would be on a vhs player for an old tube, tube sure. top tv right and it would tube, be no not a tube top tv <laughs> <laughs> a tube top is a type of shirt you just mean a tube like a crt yeah, yeah. cathode tube yeah, yeah. mm-hmm I call it the Ahsoka TV. Uh, <laughs> That's what, is that where the name boob tube comes from? The tube top t- t- TV. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was Steve. I'm sure it was. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I like my joke. I like my joke. <clears throat> I'm gonna let that one roll. Um, no, it was. 
Uh, no, I had a very poignant point about. <laughs> See, now you have me. I was uh, saying I, I didn't. Re- it didn't register me that these sure. were bad movies. Well, and, and so and growing up, we had a collection of of Andy Griffith episodes. Sure. We had a collection of Disney films. Yeah. And that was about it. That mm-hmm. would be what we watched. So anytime we watched some kind of film, it was a spectacular event. And I, I mean, I remember to this to this day, uh, uh, trading VHS tapes with other families overseas. Wow. And uh, we would get to watch a new movie. And this would be a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, we had seen Fox and the Hound seven million times. Yes. So the fact that we got to see this weird, off-branded one-shot 80s animated sparrow movie that I have no idea what the title is or what it was, but it was about a sparrow and other birds hanging out doing something. Again, because I was like six at the time. But I remember this distinctly because it was such a brand new experience. And I, and I feel you like... You weren't watching Sword in the Stone in the, no, the no, scene where they turned not. into birds, were no, you? No, I was not. Uh, no, like it was a seriously weird film looking back at it from what I even remember. Wow. But, but the point being... It wasn't Secret of Nim, was it? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, but the point being is that there, at the time it was such a unique experience to actually get the privilege of watching on-screen entertainment, and that's changed so much in the sure. age of the internet. Sure, we live we live at a time where we're, we we critique the well. I think the uh, pacing of the Avengers: Age of Ultron, you know, the second Avengers movie. You know, the one where Marvel Studios has a giant studios and releases two superhero movies a year that we all go to the theaters and see. We live in that world at where we get the privilege of saying, well, I really thought that the, uh, the character of uh, uh, the, Pet- the Petrovs were really uh, underdeveloped. Like, that's what we get to, get to complain about now. Whereas, like, six-year-old me was really excited about the animated Sparrow movie. Is this it? All right, let me take a look. No, it is not, but I remember. Wait, so- wait, wait. It is Willie the Sparrow. It is Willie the Sparrow. <laughs> you have no idea the memories that are coming back to me now. How did you find this? I just typed. I just Googled. Uh, let me give you a. <laughs> How did you find this amazing clip, Steve? Well, I just Googled animated film about a sparrow, and up popped Willie the Sparrow. It's a Hungarian film, or. Uh, what is this? That, so I've no, I know nothing about this movie, and now I'm deathly Willie curious. the Sparrow is a 1989 Hungarian animated film directed by Joseph Gimes. I don't know how to pronounce that. was released in Hungary to critical acclaim and won the prize of the audience at the third Keskemet uh, Animation Film Festival. The English adaptation was directed by Scott Murphy. Uh, voice actors included Sarah Schaub, Barda Heiner, Rick Macy, and Aaron Baby. The film was released on DVD in 2004. It's a story of a 10-year-old boy named Willie who enjoys mm-hmm. pretending to shoot birds with a BB gun mm. until he is turned into a sparrow by the Sparrow Guardian. Mm-hmm. Willie becomes lost outside without knowing how to fly. He is taken in by a sparrow named Cyper. Cyper teaches Willie how to fly in exchange for Willie teaching Cyper how to read. Later, Willie helps a group of sparrows retake their home in a barnyard from a cat. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the epic climax, by the way. There's a great battle with the cat. Wow. Well, there you go. Oh. <laughs> My evening has been made. That's amazing. So anyhow, th- your point is, you watched this, you loved it. Yeah, Willie Because you didn't know any better. Sure. It was a big deal. Same with Critically me. Critically acclaimed, by the way. In 1987, I went to see Superman IV, The Quest for Peace, with my dad at a movie theater in Athens, Georgia. I came away loving it. I knew... I knew that the effects were not as good as Superman the movie, or Superman two or even Superman three, but... 
I loved it because yeah. it was it was a special event for me to get to go see a movie. And as a child, I really appreciated that and thought, you know, and so growing up, it took growing up and just being, you know, watching a movie being commonplace to say, well, that's not really that good. or that's So Temple of Doom kind of stays there for me in this place where yeah. I really dig it because that was my first initial response mm-hmm. to it all those years ago when we watched it on VHS at the house. So, so I say that all that to come back around to, I choose that over uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull just because, you know, it never registered me that it was an inferior film yeah. um, to the other uh, to the other Indiana Jones movies. So Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, though, I see its flaws. I see what's wrong with it. But that doesn't keep me from enjoying it. And a lot of people sure. trash it. You know how people on the oh, yeah. are. So, Well, that's the whole thing is that I think... If you can just embrace that inner kid once again... Yeah, sure. You can never fully do it. Right. But the extent to which you can is the best way you'll enjoy this era of geekdom that we are living in. I think I I completely agree, unless it's a DC movie. All right, here's the deal. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I have no idea what's going to go on. Willie the Sparrow Commentary. Willie the Sparrow Commentary by Stephen Riley. Hang with us, guys. Here's a little rock sugar.
It wasn't any propeller, it wasn't any coral reef, and it wasn't Jack the Ripper. It was a shark. No swimming. By order of the Amity PD. We will be open for business. Now, if you fellas are concerned about the beaches, you do whatever you have to to make them safe. Summer is over. You're the mayor of Shark City. These people think you want the beaches open. I, I was, I was, I was acting in the, in the town's best interest. That's right. You were acting in the town's best interest, and that's why you're going to do the right thing. That's why you're going to sign this, and we're going to pay that guy what he wants. This summer, a danger from below meets the savior of the night. Yeah, man. We've been at war. Since before either of us even existed. You try killing my mother. You kill my father. You will not kill me. You'll come for the music. You're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll get the bad boat. But you'll stay for the adventure. Oh, boys. I think he's come back for his noon feeding. Evasive maneuvers now! That's great! That's just great! Now we're gonna have a we We stay the course! We are dead! Batman vs. Jaws, come this summer. Have you ever been walking down the street and you see something really nice and you think to yourself, hey, where'd they get that? Maybe if you're like me, you might go up to them and say, hey, little boy, where'd you get that bird? Because I love America and I love eagles, I, I get excited about that. But maybe you're not that bold. That's why we came up with our new app for the Android and iPhone. Where'd you get that? Just take a picture of the product you're looking for, and it'll tell you where you can get it. Download our new app today, and you'll never have to ask, where'd you get that again? Because you're a seven-foot-tall Sasquatch, it's hard to keep your hair clean and beautiful. But now you can with my new Vidal Sasquatch Enhanced Salon Formula. The shampoo cleanses away wilderness filth. The conditioning finishing rinse leaves your hair looking radiant. New Vidal Sasquatch Enhanced Salon Formula. 
because you're Bigfoot. Coming soon to Kenner, the new Play It Out Loud line of toys. You can be the amazing Big Honkin'. I'd be glad that. Become your favorite heroes. Mano, mano, mano. Superman, Superman, Superman! Hello, lady. Act out your favorite adventures. Oh, no, Kenner's Play It Out Loud. Buck Thompson, Bigfoot, and Edna Playset sewed separately. Now you have the power of the Gulliverse in your hands. Steve Glosson is not an accredited zoologist. He is simply an enthusiastic young man with an abiding love for all of God's creatures. Share his love this morning on the Big Honkin' Show. All of a sudden, a freaking zebra comes running yeah. down the street like a car. I would have tried to hug him. Yeah. I would have been like, come here, zebra. Come here. We must study him. He's a zebra whisperer. Easy. Here's what's happening. The zebra is just trying to get back to its natural habitat, the interstate. Me gustan mucho los animales. Whether you need to travel for a necessity or just enjoy getting away, taking a trip has never been more affordable. For our 425 rooms to mark our 40th anniversary of being named the best hotel in the area, the Grand is locked in our new low rate. Our vintage hotel with the same furniture and decorations from the 70s, with our free continental breakfast and accompanied oversized swimming pool and hot tub, we're the home of the famous floating sausage. We know you'll love it. Just listen to these satisfied customers. So romantic with the smell of the bacon, the egg, and the chlorine. I love America. Hey, listen, I'm staying at the Grand. They've got a great breakfast buffet. <laughs> you can sit right there in the hot tub yeah. and have your breakfast and listen to some good quality music. This holiday season, if you're looking for a 1972 look, feel, and price, look no further than the Grand. Are gnomes too sissy for your garden? Then try a Bigfoot statue. From the makers of Sasquatch Stick. It's the lovely Sasquatch. Listen to satisfied customer Mountain Man 10. It has beautiful hair. This thing was 18 inches tall. I set him back on that path out there. Someone came around trying to steal him. I thought he's going to kill my little dog. I said, get, get, get away from him. I'm not saying there's such thing as Bigfoot. But sometimes what you run into is a real Bigfoot. They're two statues of the Sasquatch that someone could own. There's a statue of a Sasquatch walking and lumbering and kind of in that pose from that one video. It's this statue of him kind of hanging on a tree, peeking out from around the tree. You can do a package of the Sasquatch statue and the Sasquatch stick. Where does one buy a Bigfoot statue? That's the question. Now... We've got the stick and the statue all for a very special low, low price. Operators are standing by. Call now. It's that time of year again, and you might be wondering where to go in the Hazelhurts area for your home supplies. Well, we asked a few of your neighbors. Sir, where do you go? Pissanky. Well, hey there, folks. It looks like you're planning to remodel your toilet to make it handy capable. Where did you go? Pissanky. Hey, sir, I know you have a lot of plastic knives and duct tape. Where'd you go to get those? Pissanky. I can't help but notice you're looking for a new hammock, sir. Can I ask why? My hammock's been tainted by a bear. Um, okay. Is there anything I can help you with, sir? Get off my lawn! 
Pisanki for all your home improvement ideals. Mm-mm-mm. We're back here on the uh, Gold Honkin' Show. (laughs) I like it. The Riley and Steve Show. Riley, I think we could do this. I think you and I could do this, like, on a regular basis. You have no idea how much... Sorry, Air Force. (laughs) I gotta have some podcasting to do. (laughs) I think we could. I think, you know... And, I'm having a blast, man. And yeah. we could we could get into more serious stuff every now and again. You know, it don't yeah. have to always be. It doesn't have to be a laugh a minute kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, now when Buck and I tried to get in some serious stuff back in the day, we lost a lot of listeners. No, I thought I heard that was great. No, it, it was, was horrible. Bad. It was horrible. Buck refused to ever. If I ever even attempted to mention politics again, Buck would just. What is this politics yeah, you speak of? Exactly. Politics, exactly. Politics. Politics. Exactly. He would. He would have nothing nothing to do with it so i you know but uh you know it's all about having fun we're having a good time we're gonna have to yeah. shut her down quick because we've got to be up early in the morning oh yeah this is true ah i'm doing fun too what hey little thing let me light your candle cause the mama i'm sure and now yes i am so we're back here man just chilling yeah we've got to be up i've got to uh drive to hope What have I done? I hit stop on the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, I have to drive to Hoboken, Georgia in the morning. Whoa, it's still going. I thought, wow, there it is. Uh, I have to drive to Hoboken, Georgia in the morning where I'll be uh, filling in for my dad at his church uh, in their 8.30 service and their 11 o'clock service and then their evening service tomorrow night. So you're stuck with me, pal. Uh, preaching preaching the gospel of the Antipocalypse. That's right. right? Yeah, I'll get up, I get up, I'm like, and... My brothers! That's right. Brothers and sisters, the animals are rising up. Noah saved them all, but they didn't know that they're going to be our downfall. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. And then, yeah. I'll, and then I'll get into, but you know what? I said uh, he got Daniel out the lion's den. He delivered David from the hand of the giant, and he got Gilligan off that island. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a 
that's a golf clap right thank, there, sir. Thank you. Thank well, you so much. Thank you. Thank and how you. many Old Testament stories revolve around treacherous animals? Well, you've I got mean, the I'm, lines, Dan. you got yep. Joan and the Whale. Yeah, obviously you've got the serpent, of mm-hmm. course, the quintessential That's right. Animal. You've got... Uh, if you want to, if you want to go snakes, you got when Moses turned his rod into snakes oh, or a yeah. snake, and then the and then the Egyptians did the same, and his ate theirs. You've got uh, of course all the plagues, obviously. That's right, yeah. the frogs from the you sky, the, the locusts, mm-hmm. the line. Yeah, you got uh, you got Balaam's donkey mm-hmm. that talked to him. That's true. You know, <laughs> so. I that's, is that apocalyptic? Well, I mean, listen, I mean, if my, if an animal starts talking to me, it's pretty apocalyptic. You got it's just like a really innocent looking donkey. He's like, hey guys, there was the prophet Elisha. Mm-hmm. who was being made fun of by some kids in a town, and two she-bears, as the King James Version calls them, came and mauled the children. How did I... This is right, This has slipped past my uh, my indoctrination of, of any sort of Indoctrination. Religion. Let's not call it indoctrination. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, I was searching for the word doctrine, and indoctrination came out. But, uh, but they, hey, no, that's what the Air Force is for. Um, this is... I mean, it's Second Kings 2. Okay. Uh, they the kids were. This is actual sermon prep. Please they were, tell they me. were ba- no, they were basically saying get on out of here, baldy bald person. You know they it, they were they were really disrespecting the man of God, and so he turned around and said, "Well, your days are numbered." And two she bears came out of the woods and mauled uh, the children. I'm telling you what we need to. The new segment is no longer like local news stories. It's just reading the reading Old the Testament scriptures as an. Old, well, old. let's jump into the New Testament. Paul was bitten by a serpent. Uh, there is shipwrecked. Of course, it did not harm him. Um, I had no idea the amount of legs that this bit could have, and I just yeah. <laughs> remembered that I'm talking to a youth pastor. So <laughs> this is gonna be... who loves the Bible. Like yeah. I love the Bible. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm one of those idiots that believe it. So that's just me. That's just me. You got Noah with, with the whole ark thing going on. You know, mm-hmm. uh, two by two, seven of some. So, I watched Noah the other night. That uh, Ridley Scott. Did you see that? Noah. Movie? I saw that fun story. I saw that opening night mm-hmm. in Dallas, Texas mm. last year when I went out to the uh, Dave Ramsey Smart Conference that he'd put on. Yeah. And uh, I had nothing else to do until the next day. So, like, well, let's go see this this epic Mo- uh, Noah film. And it was, it was strange. I, I actually enjoyed it, but uh, I could see why it got some of the criticisms it did. Although the mainstream, tell you what, uh, Old Testament movies are in. Dude. They can't make enough of these things. Yeah, and they can't make them right. You got... Touche. <laughs> 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 Just put Batman in it. It'll all be fine. I uh, I watched Noah on Netflix the other night. Mm. Now, I had, my brother came home one night having gone to see it when it was in theaters, and he used the term blasphemous Ooh. to describe mm. the story of Noah as told by Ridley Scott and company. Did you get that sense of blasphemy? Oh, man. This is a... Great question. <laughs> You're talking to the guy who's talking, whose greatest, uh, most controversial stance will be on whether or not the prequels are good. Uh, this ought to be. This ought to be good. No, it was. There were moments in the film where I just had to turn off the uh, Sunday school part of my brain, mm-hmm. right, and just say, "Oh, look, it's the uh, the Stone Angels. It's like Transformers, mm-hmm. right?" Um, but there were a few character moments that. All right, here's the thing. A lot of the criticisms of the film, especially from the Christian community, sure, I felt were unwarranted. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some legitimate moments that I felt trespassed outside of the story and the message that it was uh, that it was most important. I think, and if if I wanted just one specific example, mm-hmm. 
It's just going off. I only saw it the one Good, time. Good, that's what I was about to ask you. I was going to say. So this is just off the top of my head. But it was, uh, and see, this is where my Old Testament ignorance comes in. Uh, but you'll have to help me out. All right, okay. pa- all right, Pastor. You gotta, you gotta Go ahead, through, brother. Your line. Go ahead. Um, the main, the main, what they kind of built as the villain of the film, the Old Testament character. Tubal Cain. Thank you, Cain. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the fact that he survived onto the ark. Yes. That was the moment that I felt. All right, that that kind of ignores the whole premise, biblical. The whole premise idea, the whole pro- yeah. That humanity. <clears throat> so you didn't have a problem with the giant rock monster slash fallen angels. I mean, at that, that was just when the superhero slash transformers part of my brain turned on like oh that's sure, cool that sure. looks cool um i i was i didn't have a problem with those things either yeah uh in fact because there's a mysterious verse in genesis chapter six that is preceding the flood uh in in preceding god telling noah to build the ark and it says there were the giants were in the land in those days in some translations and other translations they use the word nephilim okay. and um and there is a there is a branch of theology that based on another uh, the preceding statement to that statement that the sons of God hooked up with the daughters of men and um, had babies. Uh, there there is a branch of theology that believes that means that the fallen angels actually copulated mm-hmm. with human females to create these monstrous offspring. Which is where a lot of the ancient legends and stuff come from of you know super sure. you know basically superheroic type things. Yeah. Because if you have if if the flood story is truth, you see, mm. and people pass that story down generation to generation. By the way, seventy two cultures have a flood legend. Okay, it's not just a Christian Judeo Christian thing. Seventy two cultures have a flood legend. And so if if that's passed down generation to generation, then eventually the story is going to become, well, you know, there was this thing called Medusa. So it's yeah, it's it's this idea of that this particular branch of and it's not even this huge like church that says, oh, we based our story. You know, it's just some people believe this. Some people don't. Well, I think even now the modern the modern legends is like the uh, the 2012 movie. That's mm-hmm. kind of what right, right, right. And so but so you do have that. So I'm watching that. And I'm like, OK, that's an interpretation of that particular phrase i'm okay with that you know what i'm saying like i was not like oh my god what have they done you know yeah uh the bible also says it took them 120 years to build the ark Mm -hmm. so that didn't happen in this movie you know and again okay for time's sake we can't watch a 120 year long movie you know uh or they don't want to make it past that much that would be for peter jackson noah became a little overly driven you know i don't think that noah misunderstood Scripture doesn't lead me to believe that Noah misunderstood God's purpose for what was happening. That God meant to start over with Noah and his family. So yeah. you know, so when Noah is going to kill those babies, yeah, that um, was the, that, that that was, was another was, moment, right? But of course, he was redeemed when he said, "When I held it, all I felt was love." Mm-hmm. You know, um, I thought they did a good job of showing drunk Noah. Yeah, and what's funny is that that was one of the biggest complaints. And I'm like, but that's that, in scripture. That's straight out of scripture. straight out of scripture. Right down to them, the only thing they didn't do was back into him with the blanket, you know, in, in the 
in the uh, in in the Bible, they literally to just to avert their eyes out of respect for their dad, they actually took the blanket and backed it onto him, you mm-hmm. know, to back it around him. Um, well, I, they always leave that part out of like the, the children's books. For they kids. really do, and I mean, with good reason. You know, you don't yeah. want to be like, "Well, kids, this happened," and then Noah got drunk and naked. There wasn't uh, there wasn't any counseling back yeah, then. Yeah, that's so, right. Uh, that's right. So it it's just the idea, you know, that Noah just he started to grow his vineyards and he got into the sauce a little bit, and and it shows that though Noah was chosen, he was not perfect. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's only two people in Scripture that the Bible says nothing negative about. Would you? Riley, all right. Would all you right. care to venture a guess? Uh, absolutely. Of course, you've got um, you you you've got the rock angel number one and the rock angel number two, right? No, 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 nope. no. This is in the entirety of Scripture. There's oh. only two people who who whose stories are told who there's nothing negatively revealed about them. See, I feel like this is a trick question because uh, my immediate answers would, of course, be uh, the Son of God Himself, yeah, Jesus. Right? Yes, He's one. Uh, so I'm, uh, I don't have a passing grade, but I'm at a 50. Mm-hmm. So if I turn in some extra credit while I pass, <laughs> this is college speak. The other one has a book name for him. Okay. Um, John. No. Really? John was always the cool disciple, though. He was the beloved. Yeah. You know, as they say. And I don't know. I wonder if everyone just, like, really got ticked off at John. Like, oh, look at and, and when Ooh, I say I'm that, John. Right. And when I say that, understand that that's lumped into the fact you know, you lumped all those disciples into one thing because though John was at the cross, he still scattered yeah. the night of, you know. And so I think that when people say that, they take that into account. The other being Daniel. Okay. Daniel. And because Daniel's story is told more completely than even John's is told, you know. Um, I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we get most of Daniel's life story in the book of Daniel. Daniel spans about 70 years' time. Wow. That book. He was an old man when he went into the lion's den, according to Scripture. So... He wow. lived through the Babylonian Empire into the Persian takeover. I am so thoroughly impressed right now. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to show off or flex muscle. It's just this is the stuff I find interesting. No, no. If you want to know what I find interesting, let's start talking about Scripture, and I'll geek out about it as much as I'll geek out about Star Wars. I know. I like it. And what's what's funny is that inside the, the, the church community particularly, I always it's it, it's like John being that one example mm-hmm. of, Almost comically throughout the Gospels, it's it's funny how he's always shown in a different light. Well, he was the beloved, and what's interesting is it's really made it's driven home in his own book. Yeah, John the beloved, and in fact, that's where the story of he and Peter run into the tomb is, mm-hmm. and John just has to stick in there, and John got there first. Yeah, you yeah. know. Oh. <laughs> He's like, he's like, everyone, you've got to imagine. So the other level are like, ew, I'm John. I That's got right. to the tomb first. <laughs> oh, right. I'm the beloved. I was faster. Ew, I'm John. And Peter's like, well, I went in. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Tubal Cain is actually mentioned in Genesis chapter four, and it's very real possibility could have been around with Noah, but he was a okay. descendant of Cain, and he's mentioned as being the person who began to fashion tools and stuff out of bronze and well, iron. And, and so help me out. So Anthony... Um, my poor brain. Anthony Hopkins Thank played you. Methuselah. Methuselah. That's the right. oldest, the oldest man recorded in Scripture. Now, if you really, want to, everyone has now tuned us out. I was going to say, everyone well, has tuned Anthony us out. If Anthony Hopkins keeps on going, he'll probably break that record. <clears throat> um, every everyone out, everyone's tuned us out now because we've gone down this way. But anyhow, uh, Methuselah actually his name. Is you, when you read names in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, they're not translated; they're transliterated. In other words, they're they're spelled phonetically how 
you know, yeah, close yeah. to how they'd sound in English name. Um, in Genesis chapter five, it's an amazing line from Adam to Noah. It, it gives you the genealogy from mm-hmm. Adam to Noah through Seth. And when you take those names and just lay them out as the names, just Adam, Seth, Noah, you get the gospel spelled out for you based on the meanings of their names. Methuselah means his death shall bring. If you graph it out according to, you know, if you just take and do a bar graph and knowing how old Noah was or whatever when, when the flood hit or knowing how old Methuselah was when he died, you get the idea that, uh, and Noah's the only one that lives further than that, you get the idea that Noah, that Methuselah died the year of the flood so that mm. his death was hmm. the thing that let his family know that it's time. Wow, that's that's really cool. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, you got you got that, and I I, I need to uh, I'll pull it up real quick just to continue to bore everybody. Um, and, I'm 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 sitting here fascinated. Yeah, well, well, and it's and it's it's interesting because for it, it, we're not the only ones. People go see these movies, right? And drove some of them have turned out better than others. Like I never saw the the Christian Bale. Uh, I haven't Owen seen that Lars yet. One. Yeah, when it comes on Netflix, I'll watch. That's what I call it. I call it the Batman Owen the Lars film. Batman <laughs> Owen Lars film. Um, What's that actor's name? Was the dude was Owen Lars in that? He's he's Ramses. No. Look it up. The yeah. guy who played uh, Owen Lars in, in the prequels? Yeah. Well, I can I totally forget his name. I do too. But he's had he's been really successful the last couple of years. Seriously. He was a lone survivor, uh, I believe, or maybe it was one of the other military type films that's been out recently, but he's if you look at his IMDb page, um he's been uh he's been rocking it. Breaking well, the I'm, old gonna, Star I'm first going to go to uh Star Wars Attack of the Clones, all right? To get his name. There's Cleed Lars. See full cast. Oh, there's there's a um, there's a throwback. Remember the 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 who's more grizzled bit? Yes. Ah, oh, yeah. That's one of the first times I remember rolling on the floor listening to uh, was that that was Pete and Jason, right? That bit. Uh, I, or was it? it was yeah, it that Jimmy? was Pete and Jason. Yeah, that sounds like a Pete and Jason. Uh, Joel Egerton. Joel, Joel Egerton. Egerton that's, yeah, that's him. I guess I could have waited for the chat to let us know what was going on. Um, Joel Egerton. Uh, wow, yeah, Exodus, Gods and Kings, these are Ramses. Wow. Not that I doubted you, that's amazing. I didn't realize that. Yeah, no. Um, just looking through some of these things, I haven't seen any of these. He was in the remake of The Thing. Huh. Oh, he was a voice in Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul. Yeah, no, he he was in The the Great Gatsby. He was really good. Yeah, there. he was yeah. in the, I saw that. I'm just looking to see if there's anything, any other names that I recognize since Revenge of the Sith. But are there um are there any big biblical films coming up, like epic? I'm sure there are. I don't know. Um, I I know they're doing the thing on NBC right now. The AD, mm-hmm. the Bible AD, the story continues oh, or some such. And I haven't watched any of that. The Bible too. Well, you know, I watched. Um, did you watch the original? Bible I watched series? the Bible series, and I would actually talk about it on the Monday following on the Big Honk Show. I was on air at that time. Okay. And um, there I was, watched the first. episode. There were so many places where I was so happy and so pleased with it, and mm-hmm. then there were other episodes where I was just like, "Guys, you've totally but well, screwed the pooch." People people watch this stuff in droves, whether it's the Bible miniseries or. Um, Noah made a gajillion dollars. Did it really? For a February film. Like, it wasn't like okay. a big summer blockbuster, but for its budget, um, it did really well. Um, 
I don't think Exodus Gods and Kings did as much, but I think Exodus Gods and Kings got a lot of flack from the secular community. No, I haven't seen. That's what I said earlier. I'm going to wait for it to come on Netflix. It got a lot of flack from the secular community because of using so many white actors to play these Middle Eastern roles. I remember I saw a a lot of that. You know, and I'm just like, but we've always done that. I mean, Ten Commandments. Charles Heston played Moses in the Ten Commandments. You know. Yeah. I'll take these Ten Commandments. It's been so long since I've seen uh, that. So old. Um, anyhow, in Genesis five, it gives the genealogy, and it goes from Adam to Seth to Enos. Um, Adam means man. It's the word for man. Uh, Seth means appointed one or the appointed um, or appointed because they when when Seth was born, they thought, well, this is their this is the redemption. Uh, you know, you get the idea. They thought, well, you know, sin has come into the world, and here's our Redemption. Also, the Bible makes clear that Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters. I mean, let's just make sure we know that. Um, Seth, then to Enos, uh, it means mortal. You know, this. you get the idea that, um, you know, Abel had died, obviously, at the hands of Cain, and, and death had probably struck in, you know, some other people in the world at this point. Where is um, Tubal Cain's? Mm-hmm. Where is his first name mentioned? I don't remember. It's in... It's in Genesis. It, now, this is not that Cain is not the Cain that slew Abel. Yes, Tubal Cain is a descendant of Cain. Okay, is, and it's in Genesis four where the Bible the, talks about him making, being making tools. Like he is the one that learned how to make tools and stuff to use out of bronze and. So and so the original story of Cain and Abel. Do they ever mention like? I say, and this is where I get totally confused with mm-hmm. the with the family titles. But what's at what point are they are they related to the genealogy at all? Cain and Abel are Adam and Eve's sons. Okay. Yeah. And and which one? Cain killed Abel. And, and is it Cain or Abel who uh, followed the genealogy? This is through Seth. This is through another son that they had. Okay. So, man, this is like a family reunion tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so then there was your Uncle Harry. Right. So they had Seth. Seth... Seth has Enos, which means mortal, because, you know, they learned that people had died. So Cain and Abel, Abel are totally outside the genealogy, then it's straight Out, Outside of this genealogy, yes. yeah. This is through the son Seth on down. Okay. Um, so you got man is a poor and mortal. Uh, then Enos has um, Canaan, and that means sorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew this one. That's and, the one uh, I knew. <laughs> so man is appointed mortal sorrow. Um, Canaan uh, has Mahalalel. You know, so I guess they got tired of names like Mortal and Sorrow, and so they named the child Mahalalel, which means the blessed God. You know, so Canaan obviously wanted to name his child for the God he served. So man is appointed Mortal Sorrow. The blessed God, uh, Mahalalel, uh, has a kid named Jared or Yared, uh, which means um, will come down. No idea why they name your child will come down. But it means to come down, to descend. Um, so, man is appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God descends. Um, I'm not following. I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, there, there does seem to be um, a linear, a linear prediction. Jared has Enoch. Enoch means to teach, or teaching. Enoch actually, uh, there's a book of Enoch mm-hmm. that is apocryphal. Um, but has some interesting stuff in it. Now, this I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister's husband's family, so I guess, I guess technically in-laws. Um, she has an aunt who had just recently purchased an ancient copy 
of the Book of Enoch and, and read it and was basically described it in great detail on a road trip that I was on. And I was learning about how all of these fantastic angels showed up. It was very mythological. Right, in right. Telling. And as I understand, it's, and this is like five years ago, but as I re- remember, it's basically an alternate slash filling in part of the story of Daniel, like when the uh, angel Gabriel fights, um, goes goes on the warpath. So yeah, it, well, see, I don't know that. I, th- I thought it was a lot more ancient than that um, because that's why it's apocryphal then if it's the book of Enoch because Enoch was so long before the time of Daniel. Okay. Um, I may be thinking of, what am I thinking of then? It's an apocryphal. All right. So anyhow, now we're getting to like super nerdy. That's fine. Anyhow, uh, so Enoch means teaching. So you got man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God descends teaching, mm-hmm. um, and then Enoch, of course, did not die. He was taken up, you know, into heaven. Uh, it says he walked with God, uh, and after he he had Methuselah, mm-hmm. you know, which I already said his death will bring. Um, and uh, Methuselah has Lamech, which means uh, despair, or the despairing one, you know. So man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God descends, teaching his death shall bring the despairing one, or the despairing ones. And the uh, green grass grows all around, all around. Right. Noah. Mean, and Lamech has Noah. Noah. And, and Noah means comfort or rest. So you line just those names up through this. And, and in, the, in the Hebrew Bible, a lot of this stuff kind of happens. You know, where there's these... It's not necessarily like the Bible code like came out a while back, but it's it's definitely like wordplay and stuff that goes on. Yeah, happens a lot in the Psalms and patterning and stuff. So when you just line these names up, for years and years and years, little boys were hearing this message. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God will come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing one's comfort. How about that? How about that? I mean, Genesis there 5, ladies and gentlemen. There so, it is. Long way to get there, but um, but that's... Uh, anyhow. Um, no, that's, that's really cool. And um, side note, I really like a lot of those names, and they need to come back. Ma- Meth- like Mahalalel? And Methuselah? <laughs> yeah. Although, in all honesty, Noah. Noah needs to come back in a big way. I, I know like. some Noahs. I know there are a handful, mm-hmm. but it's not that common. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's a big burden to put on a kid. <laughs> yeah, he will save the entire human that's right. race. That's I right. name you Noah because I want you to save everybody. That's right. Congratulations. So No possible way to disappoint there. Are you sure? No, yeah. no it's going to work out great. That's right. That's right. So, you just got to um, believe, Steve. You just got to dream big. You believe enough in someone. No, that's a whole Christmas movie thing there. There you but. go. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow um wow we have covered the gamut tonight we Riley. have we have run the gamut of various and sundry topics we've we've done the star wars i feel like we've learned a lot we've done weird noises in canada uh i was appropriately terrified we've done scripture i am learning more than i'm comfortable uh, being in front of a pastor we've done we've done bears in South Georgia, evidently, yeah. And um, although I feel like there was a much more important part of that uh, that segment, and that was just that I can't hear. No, and yeah, that. well, yes, that's where it really comes down to. Is and I really wish I could remember other things that I used to think oh, were I'm movies sure that are there. A bunch. Yeah, I know there is. I know for me there really is. Yeah. Um, well, lock S foils in attack position. I could never understand what they would say in there because uh, he would <gasps> say, "Revenge of the Sith." Some of the dialogue in the elevator between Anakin and Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. I could never make it out. 
Yeah, and they were going back and forth for some reason. Really? Uh, it was one particular phrase um, when Anakin drops down. What does he say? Um, he, he says, it, about says Oh, it's you. Yeah, but he makes a comment about R2. He says, he Obi-Wan says, makes the yeah, comment. Yeah, Anakin says, What happened? He said, Well, R2, uh, no loose wire jokes. No loose wire jokes. That's the yeah. one. I could not figure out what he's really? saying. Really? Yeah. Well, in, in when they used to say lock S foils and attack because the first red leader mm-hmm. in A New Hope says, Lock S falls in attack position. Never understood what he said there. Then in Return of the Jedi, when Wedge says it, he kind of has a weird affectation, you know, to his words as well. And so, honestly, I always thought they were saying Lock S falls. And it's, I'm like, what? Or what? I'm sorry, what? And then I'm like, are they saying asphalt? You know, the asphalt's in attack position. You know, what did, are they talking about the pavement here? Or is this just a weird yeah, name for no, these I things? Can see that, you know, totally. but it's S foils. Yeah, Lock S which it then comes back in Revenge of the Sith. They arc. do say that with the Arc 70, I had, yeah. I had to cheer when that happened. That oh, was that was great, mm. man. That was great. I love that ship, too. I wish it would have got more screen time. There was a lot of things going into Revenge of the Sith, a lot of pictures you would see in mm. art and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then it didn't get any screen time, hardly, you know, because yeah. there was so much else that had to go on. Mm. Um, the, the, the story had narrowed so much into from what it was and from what it had been to... And it just keeps funneling down by the time yeah. you get to the end of it. Well, and, and and as we're closing, if I could ask a question, because we had briefly mentioned it earlier today off air, but Revenge of the Sith, was there a moment where you where broke out into some manly tears? No, I never cried at that. No, mm-hmm. I never did. I See, I did. It's one of very mm-hmm. few moments. Well, and I'll be honest with you. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to be really super honest about it, it's because when those Jedi were dying, I hated to see them go. But at that point, the only real interaction you'd had with them was sitting around that council chamber. Yeah. And a little bit extra on the micro series, the Clone, War micro, sure. Clone Wars micro series. And so I didn't feel enough of an attachment to those guys to feel their loss as deeply as I should have. What I really felt and what really was the gut punch for me was Anakin walking into the Jedi council chamber uh. and the little boy. Yeah, you know, that Master was rough. Skywalker. You know, there's too many of them. What are we going to do? And he just lights, and that little boy's reaction what to him lighting up the lightsaber. And his, but his reaction is he kind of jumps back. You know, yeah, yeah. and you know what's about to happen in that room. You know, children are about to be killed. I'm not gonna lie. When I saw that, I was. I mean, I was older than I was probably 13, 14, maybe even 15, and it was just, it was hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And and Revenge of the Sith is one. Revenge of the Sith and Empire Strikes Back are the only two films that I've cried in yeah. while watching. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, obviously the I Love You I Know. It's such a powerful moment, <laughs> and it wasn't even the first time I uh, saw it. But for Revenge of the Sith, it was twice. One once was during Order sixty six, briefly. But the hardest part to watch for me was Padme landing on Mustafar to confront Anakin and try to bring him back, and I knew it wouldn't happen. But I was waiting for the conference because this—it's such a brutally paced film, and everything keeps hitting you over, especially in that third act. Uh, Revenge of the Sith—it just keeps hammering and right. hammering, tragedy after tragedy, and then there's a moment to breathe, which is mm-hmm. very rare in that film. Yes, especially in that last act. And there's that moment where she leans forward on the console after landing, and you hear the hint—a very, very short series of notes of across the stars, of across the stars. And that just, ah, yeah, that got yeah. me. Now, I need to correct someone in the chat. Dylan says um, that today 
uh, Revenge of the Sith is 10, but it's actually Tuesday because it was released on May 19th. Okay. Uh, 2005. So, wow. yeah. Um, Hard to believe. It, uh, I, I did... The, okay, the midnight showing I saw in Valdosta, Georgia, they had the sound down a little too low. Okay. And it didn't punch mm. me the way I needed it to. Of all the Jedi deaths, the one that gets me the most is Plo Koon. Yeah. Because it's the most visceral to me. Uh, the the Ayla Secura just seems a little weird. You know, like the hands up and the fall down just is kind of... Yeah. It, it, it can be almost humorous. I think humorous. that was definitely... That looked like a reshoot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Key Addy Mundy stuff is did get is pretty tight yeah yeah but plo Koon, especially the shot of the boots that was a very almost spielbergian yes yeah um, the uh the um and he looks shocked and betrayed you know that's what dylan says he looks so shocked and betrayed the plo Koon thing though is he's in the he's in the cockpit of that starfighter and it just blows up and it looks it, it's got a mixture of some of those explosions from a new hope yeah, you know the trench run and everything, and you're just kind of right up on him as he blows up, and it's just and well, that was kind of almost internal cockpit fire that you can see in the shot. Yeah, and that, that was yeah, it was visceral. You know yeah. that to me, that was a more visceral one. Um, is there anyone else whose death we see on screen like that of the Jedi? I mean, I know we've got the four that go into Palpatine's office, speeder, but for episodes, the, yeah, speeder bike, yeah, the the uh, stay uh, Addy Gala or whatever his name is, Stasali or whatever name is, one of those two. Um, yeah, and see that didn't again. It's because that, I didn't have the connection to these characters um, that yeah. I would have after watching the Clone Wars. You know, the Clone Wars really helped establish more of a connection to those characters for me personally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but dude, I I I do. I don't really get choked up, but I but the second time I watched it because the sound was right and I was just feeling it more. When Obi Wan does the speech, oh, you know it really yeah. does. It gave it put a lump in my throat, you know, because and since then there's been times when I've watched it and it's caught. It's kind of caught, sure. it's kind of caught me off guard because he's standing there looking at his friend there, who I really think that Obi Wan saw Anakin as more of a friend than Anakin saw Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. I think that Obi Wan, and I think it's very telling in that last little bit they have that's happy together yeah. you know where he, well he, anakin had a girl right let's be honest that 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 makes the that makes the relationship different i think but what I, you're right but i'm also saying like anakin any you hear him in episode two obi-wan's holding me back you know and and what you see in obi-wan is a mentor who's trying to get this kid to see there's a better way of doing things and just you know run it flying off half cock just because you can't and but I think I think that once Anakin became a Jedi Knight and they 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 fought so much side by side that Obi Wan really considered Anakin a close friend, yeah, more than Anakin ever did truly Obi Wan. I feel like Anakin never got over some of his stuff. Well, and the greatest proof being in um, how he betrayed him. Sure. When when Palpatine confronted him, and that's the concrete proof right there. Yeah, and so when. When Obi-Wan is standing there looking at Anakin there on the side of the, the river of lava, he can't muster up anything but just this pained yell, you know, you were the mm. chosen one. Yep. Obi-Wan believed in Anakin. You know, he's he's defending Anakin to Mace and Yoda on that gunship when they're taking Yoda to fly off with the Wookiees. You know, yeah. he's like, with all due respect, is he not the chosen one? Is he not supposed to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force? You know, and and uh, and Mace is like, well, that's what the prophecy says. And Yoda's like, well, the prophecy might have been misread. 
You know, these guys are having their doubts, but Obi-Wan believes in him. And so when he, yeah. when this all goes down, you were the chosen one. It was said you'd bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. You're supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. And then, and then he says, you're my brother. I loved you. Yeah, you know, and all in so all, Anakin musters is I hate you. You know, the hate and rage in his heart now at this point. Well, and that one line punches so hard mm-hmm. uh, because there's so much build up to it, and even with, I guess Obi Wan's impassioned plea, it's just like all of the air that built up just was let out suddenly, and, and you realize that forever these two would never be reconciled and that 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 is all i think really embodied in that one last you know word dylan just gave me the chills in the chat he says it's like that yell is saying you were wrong qui-gon yes like uh, wow that's Ah. huge man all of obi-wan's world is just falling apart you know has fallen apart in that moment yeah and you know the only the only thing that I've ever seen, and I still hope this may happen with things like Star Wars Rebels, even though Rebels is a little too late in the game, I'd like to see something earlier, you know, maybe a year or two after Revenge of the Sith. Um, Vader tells Luke in Return of the Jedi, Obi, you know, Luke says there's still good in you, and basically, paraphrasing there, and Vader says, Obi-Wan wants thought as you do. We never really see that, you know. We we never. That's true. We never see that yeah. blatantly, you know. Um, and 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 then Vader says to Obi Wan, and, and I mean it's obvious, you know, you should have never come in in Star Wars on the Death Star when uh, when Vader and Obi Wan meet up. You know, Vader says you should not have come back from where. Yeah. You know, did you, obviously Vader knew he'd survived. You know, and had gone into hiding. Um, but I, I like the idea that maybe they had one more confrontation where Obi-Wan barely gets out alive. And and Vader basically lets him go. You know, because he's proven that there's nothing you can do. And maybe even tells him as much. Because the Vader we get to in Episode 4, and, and especially in Episode 5, when you watch Empire Strikes Back, Vader, in the first part, in the carbon freezing chamber with Luke, he's toying with Luke. Yeah, he's got that one hand. He's not really putting much behind it. And even once they get down into the place with the Tie Fighter window that he blows Luke out of, you know, he's toying with Luke. He's just throwing stuff at him with the Force. You know, let's see if you try this. And it's not until down there in what I call the Cloud City Arcade, you know, where Luke climbs up in that thing and he goes and there's all those monitors and Vader just comes out of nowhere slashing. It's like that's when Vader's unleashing yeah. everything on Luke, you know, anger wise and that sort of thing. It's like you should be dead, you know, and but but you get the idea that Vader's pretty cocky. You know, all these years have made him very cocky. Yes, and that's a that's a large leap to make from being burned alive right. to that kind of arrogance. And so I'd like to see, I would like to either in a novel or a comic or something, see maybe one or two years after Sith them have another showdown. Because uh, at the end of uh, The Rise of Vader, which I guess is Legends material now, you know, Obi-Wan hears the name Vader you know, in a, in a bar on Tatooine, I'd like for him to have a run in with him. And I'd like for him to look at him and say, this is kind of what I thought would happen in revenge of the Sith. I thought we were going to get more Vader in armor. I think everyone did. Yeah. And I really expected Obi and Obi-Wan and Anakin to have their fight mid movie. And, and Obi-Wan and Yoda still trying to clean up everything, 
you know, and then Obi-Wan encounter Anakin, who he thought was dead later on in the movie, for a real final fight where he has to get away. And he basically is standing there in front of this huge black masked figure yeah. with his breathing and just looks at him and, and senses something and says, Anakin? And Vader retort, that name no longer has any meaning for me. Mm-hmm. You know, to bring it back yeah. around, to have that symmetry between. And so, and then they had the fight where Obi-Wan does barely escape and gets away. So that's yeah. what I kind of would have liked to seen. That And I think... I think there's still a chance to see something like that because we know after Star Wars Celebration that they had Clone Wars storylines and they were planning to go up through and including and after Revenge of the Sith. And so since those creatives are still involved at Lucasfilm, I would not be at all surprised right. if we get to see that. Sure, I mean, I, would I, love to. I think it'd be something, I think it would make that line make a lot more sense in well, Star Wars. But it makes sense as it is, you know, it makes sense as it stands. But what doesn't make sense when he says Obi-Wan once saw it as you do. Yeah. Unless, because Obi-Wan doesn't, do enough to try to talk him sure back to the light they're on Mustafar. Yeah, and 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 this is this is kind of in the weeds in terms of the the dialogue presented in the scene, but there's so much story potential as a result of just that brief conversation that in a new hope between Obi-Wan and Vader that I think could definitely uh be utilized. And and this kind of goes back to uh, a whole a brief conversation we had off air where I said Revenge of the Sith for years in my probably 11 years of Star Wars mm-hmm. fandom, since I saw my first film, Revenge of the Sith remained my favorite up until one or two years ago as I really began to appreciate Empire Strikes Back. And it's still right up there as a really close second. And a lot of that, I can't, I can't make a better case than our current conversation. It's just because it's so moving in so many moments. Well, you know, it, what's, what's really telling to me is, and someone here in the comics mentioned it, um, uh, Talking about the Marvel Vader series, which I've not read any yet, but talks about Vader's lacking I've confidence read the, the in it. The first two issues, and they are amazing. And see, well, the thing is, it's like I don't, I don't think Vader's confidence needs to be shaken at all. Even though the Death Star has been destroyed, the Emperor's unhappy. I don't think his confidence needs to be shaken in any way until between Empire and Jedi. I think that Vader watching his son choose really death over the dark side. Um, shook him to his very core yeah. because he was because the one thing that he was scared of was the death of his loved ones and his own personal death you know and and that's the fear of death was obviously there for him particularly for the ones he loved and so to see a son to see his connection you know to see some type of family connection just choose death over the power of the dark side had to shake him to his core and so that when we hit him in jedi there in Luke says there's conflict, you know, yeah. and Vader lies. I think Vader outright lies to him. There is no conflict. You know, I must obey my master. But even, and it goes back to the body language. That's the first time you see in Jedi, a trepidatious Vader. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's gotta be so probably not as much for me who saw them all. So sequentially so close, but if you grew up watching a new hope and empire strikes back over and over again to see a trepidatious Vader, it has to be a weird sight. Well, it's, it's not even trepidation. It's, it's thoughtfulness. You know, the the Vader we see looking out the bridge of the Star Destroyer and Empire is a Vader who is just looking out over all that he, you know, looking out at what he, the fact that he commands over all he surveys. He sees this fleet. It's his. He stands there in his imposing presence on the bridge of that star. On that, on that catwalk, he leans on the railing and just looks out into the forest, you know, 
mm-hmm. contemplating what's just been said. It's the most thoughtful that we've seen Vader, you know, and especially after a, after this phrase, it's too late for me, my son. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's sorrow in that, you know, and 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 I'm sorry, I don't believe Darth Vader is trying to play Luke at that point. You know, I don't think he's the Emperor is using is trying to use Luke's anger against yeah. him. I don't think Darth Vader's trying to use his sympathy against him. You know, no, and that line is so powerful in in so many ways because throughout Jedi, um, you, the son of Anakin Skywalker must not be. You know, yeah, you, you, he he refers to the son of Anakin Skywalker, mm-hmm. but Vader himself says, "My son." At the mm-hmm. end of the sentence, right, right. Instead of just cutting it off, and that. I think makes it that much more powerful. My son is with. He says, "My son is with them." He's basically call it. He's saying, "You, my son," and that's Mm -hmm. a great step. I never even really. Well, and not only that, but when he's talking to the emperor, and he says, "A a rebel, a a small group of rebels has landed on the forest moon," and 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 the emperor says, "Yes, I know." And he says, "My son is with them." Yes, you know, and you have to imagine that uh, old palps wasn't happy with him (laughs) well and that's the thing there's you know in empire palpatine says the son of skywalker you know must not be allowed to live you know and then he's like well he'll join you know if he can be turned to be a powerful ally he says yes can't be done he'll join us or die vader never says this is my son and granted you know there's a storytelling device there but if anakin no longer has any meaning for him then why would a skywalker be his son yep you know so there's Mm -hmm. already that (coughs) bit of bit of confusion in him as that old sure. identity is bubbling back to the surface because you think of and I've talked about this before on the on the podcast you think of just how much psychological control the emperor had over Vader um the fact that here's this kid that he's he's the only person who was openly nice mm-hmm. to Anakin as a boy on Coruscant you know he he always gave him advice. He'd let him see him whenever he wanted to. You know, the emperor knew something about this kid. And so when he hits revenge, when we hit revenge of the Sith, he's playing right into all of Anakin's desires, telling him everything he wants to hear. Then Anakin makes the choice to take out, to help take out Mace Windu so that he can learn this power of the dark side to save Padme. Well, the emperor Palpatine Basically said that you know Darth Plagueis knew this, and um, it's strange he could keep others dying, but not himself. So when Anakin says, you know, I, I just want to keep Padme from dying, Palpatine, the first thing Palpatine says is, well, that's secret only one person's known, but I'm sure working together we can figure it out. So now he's got a reason to stay with him, yep. right? Then he wipes out the Jedi at the temple. You know, then he he fights his friend. He's injured beyond repair. Before that, he choked his wife out. You know, with the Force, when he wakes up, the first thing he says is, where's Padme? It's, the Emperor says, you killed him. It or you killed her. in your anger. You, you killed her. Killed her. Yeah. So now he's got this grief and the sorrow. He's got a perpetual hate of himself for doing what he did. But the Emperor always has over him. That's the one thing I said one time on the podcast that sparked a whole conversation about who killed Padme. Is Vader never found Someone out. Someone should really write something about that. Vader never found out. Yeah. Who, how Padme died or what happened. You know, he never found out the circumstances of her death. He never found out that though, yeah, he broke her heart and she lost the will to live or whatever the case may be, that it wasn't his 
it wasn't directly his fault, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, that he didn't really deliver the killing blow. Um, which, if Palpatine killed Padme, it makes it much more insidious. Or if their life forces were so in tune and he was sucking so much out of it to keep himself alive, then that gets to be a little bit ironic. You yeah. know, but at the same time, so now he sees this emperor as someone whose power he's got to learn from to be more powerful. Meanwhile, and, and you see this in Lords of the Sith in the book, the emperor will play games with him, you know, play games with him mentally and play games with him emotionally to keep him under his thumb. You know, always trying to get him to rear his head and direct his anger at him so he can just beat him down so he can show him that he's still more powerful than he is, you know. And and so the psychological hold he had, every in that moment in Return of the Jedi when he picks the Emperor up, when he chooses to save his son, he's breaking through a lot of junk. Yes. You know, that, that, for, uh, that for 30 years, basically, he's had to put up with. And, and it's more than just I'm good again. It's... I'm going to overcome everything that's held me back. Yes, and it and Revenge of the Sith makes that moment in Return of the Jedi so much more powerful because it's such a grand tragedy where the aspect of Anakin trying to master with his own willpower and strength prevent what from happening the very thing that he would end up cause happening, mm-hmm. which is an which is an ancient storytelling device and kind of an ancient uh lesson that must be learned and it's counter to everything the jedi stand for which is releasing your personal desires and instead contributing to the whole it's that old it's that whole idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy yes you know and well and 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 it's so stark in revenge of the sith Mm -hmm. it's not subtle at all and and, in in a way that i think is really spectacularly done well, we get to see into his visions. You know, we yeah. see that scene with Obi-Wan standing over Padme, telling her to hold on. You know, we see her struggling to, you know, in childbirth, you know, before before it ever happens on screen, we see those images in his mind. That, you know, yeah. that's something never done in Star Wars, is kind of show that. Um, I, I just wonder, there's so much that you then have to explore about Anakin. You know, here was a kid who was too old to begin the training because of all the emotional attachments and stuff he developed, according to the Jedi Code. Uh, here's a question. Had Qui-Gon lived, would Anakin have visited his mother more often? I mean, I think so. I do, too. Yeah. I think Qui-Gon realized that this was important and that Anakin had to be allowed to see this person in his life, that he couldn't just cut off ties. Well, I think that's one of the greatest threads through the prequels is the fact that Qui-Gon ended up being right. Truly. And, and even through all of the terrible tragedy of Revenge of the Sith and Darth Vader being born and the galaxy living in darkness for uh, decades, eventually uh, the prophecy was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so sad that Qui-Gon's dialogue and, and, and role in Revenge of the Sith couldn't have been explored I am more. too. And knowing how willing Liam Neeson is to step in that role, let's go ahead and film that crap. I, and, and stick it in a special edition I'm of Revenge of the Sith. I'm telling you, man, just, just, uh, just get the ILM guys up there doing uh, digital Liam Neeson and just hire Jimmy Mack. They don't have just, to do digital just, Liam Neeson. I mean, look, Liam Neeson <laughs> will come and put on the wig and do the thing to stand there and be filmed saying, you know, having a conversation with Yoda. There's no reason for that not to be done. Yeah. And and it's such a poignant, in the novelization, it's such a poignant conversation that they yes. have. And, and the fact that what, what Qui-Gon 
and I'm paraphrasing here, basically says is it, it can all be summed up in the idea of love. You know, and yep. that Qui-Gon gets it. You don't even have to film him. He just can do the dialogue. Well, and I because think- the whole idea is he can't... He says in Attack of the Clones, I can't... Or not in Attack of the Clones, in the Clone Wars, he, he can't get a corporal body going. He can't get a view. Mm-hmm. He can only be heard. So you don't even have to film him. You just have to... All you have to do is just extend that scene with Yoda there and have that conversation going and get interrupted by Bell Organa, who's so excited that Obi-Wan and Kenobi has made contact. Mm-hmm. It's like, shut up, Bell. I'm like, talking to Qui-Gon. He's, he's like 3PO and Empire. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm I've, I've isolated the first power coupling. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bell Organa. Oh, man. Oh, it's, it's so good. So Master good. Yoda! Master Yoda! Obi-Wan Kenobi's made contact! I'm so happy. Look at I mean, just look at his face when he says it. <laughs> he he's is, so he's happy. Really excited. He's so excited that Obi Wan. And I guess so because you know he, he might have been going off to his death, but still, <laughs> it's like, come one. on, man. Jimmy come Smiths, on. ladies. And gentlemen. then he's like, I'll take the girl. My wife and I've always talked about adopting, but she'll be loved. They don't care about love. They want her to be safe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, love's a good like. So side. throw her right to a senator's house. Well, I'm sure, I mean, Alderaan, as we all know, is nothing could ever bad happen No, there. nothing could no, bad happen to Alderaan. Mm-mm, not at all. So, oh, man. I, uh, I I do think that, at the very least, Qui-Gon, the minute Anakin had a dream about his mother, Qui-Gon yeah. would have booked it to Tatooine. Well, and I think George um, uh, definitely had in mind a much larger role for Qui-Gon beginning, and then that just kind of tapered off. And uh, and sadly, we didn't see the Revenge of the Sith section, but I would have loved to see even more in terms of a Ghost Qui-Gon, because even Attack of the Clones, when you're like, No! Yeah, I don't, I don't think that George Lucas had it. I think, I know he did, because he yeah. said in all interviews all throughout those prequels, it'll all be explained. You know, I'm in Revenge of the Sith. Well, uh, 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 see it. Because you know, I remember watching... I remember watching Phantom Menace. The first time I watched Phantom Menace, yeah. and Qui Gon dies, I'm sitting there going, "Disappear, disappear, mm-hmm. disappear." And, nope, and that was happen. my big question. He's like, "Well, that's something they don't know how to do yet. Not to be explained in Revenge in the third one. It wasn't called Revenge of Sith that time in the third one, and yeah. it never was. And I and it almost certainly was going to be. And and really, because I remember uh, in maybe it was freshman year of high school or sometime maybe junior high. Um, I sat down with a yellow pad. Ironically, I didn't know at the time. I didn't know George's tradition, and for for giggles, popped in the VHS of the Phantom Menace, and literally transcribed the entire film by hand with pen, making my own edits as I went uh, went along to adapt it for a theater play for a children's theater in Chattanooga. (laughs) I kid you not. I have this in my room, and the entire film. And then it was typed up by a homeschool co-op uh, mom who was, like, helping out at the theater there. It never saw the light of day, but, man, how, how amazing it would have been to see, like, a children's play version three acts of The Phantom Menace. But I had the whole thing there, and in it, through that process, I still remember way back then realizing, good heavens, half the dialogue of the entire film is Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. Qui-Gon carries the entire film yeah. so much. He's the hero. Yeah, in ways that I never really thought about. I always thought, oh, well, it's Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan has a very small role uh, compared to Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon. And I was... um, oh, look, this is where someone restored the deleted scene uh, oh. with the with the thing. I don't um, know. Now, there's... I fair mean, use, no diss. The, uh, on the... Uh, what am I trying to say? On the... Um, 
Blu-rays, they have the special features of Yoda. Oh, yeah. Yoda. Hear you. I do. Nice. Show yourself. Can you? I cannot. My training was incomplete. All energy from the living force. Well, this is from Clone Wars from dialogue. All things yeah. that have ever lived. Yeah, and they've just really slowed down the pan around Yoda <laughs> to, <laughs> to have that surprise from Bell Organa show up. Yeah, so it's not... Hey, guys! Yeah, that's not really the dialogue. Actually, on the deleted scenes, they had like the previous stuff with a <coughs> with a temp voice doing Qui-Gon. Have you seen that on the Blu-ray yes. stuff? Mm-hmm. I saw so, the first, wasn't it out on YouTube before or was that a first time was that an exclusive? That was an exclusive okay. on the Blu-ray. So someone probably put it up on the Yeah, on I saw the it for the first time on yeah. on you on the uh, on the Blu-ray release. Yeah, so I you know, it it's it's definitely something that would have only been like an extra minute and a half or so. You know, max. Yeah. To get I'm some to get some clarity, there's, to get some clarification. There are some moments Remember in the bonus features on the DVD of Revenge of the Sith where you would watch the deleted scene sequence and you would have uh, Rick... Rick Ali. <laughs> Rick Ali. Oh, Rick McCallum. Rick McCallum. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like every Rick. You've got Rick Santorum, Rick the Ranger. You've got Rick. <laughs> All the other Ricks <laughs> came to my mind. No, you have uh, uh, Rick McCallum. Just like painfully, like he would, every scene it would almost be comical. He'd be like... Oh, and I can't believe we had to delete this one. It was so painful. Right. And then right. by the time you get to the Yoda shuttle sequence, I really might as well have been crawling on the floor, just weeping at the fact that they had to delete the scene. But they, but they did, and I kind of wish that he had uh, done that also for the Qui Gon sequence. The um, the the Yoda shuttle sequence mm-hmm. was finished and in the movie until the like the yeah, the eleventh hour, yeah, which makes sense because when you watch, with the exception of the Padme funeral. From the last minute where he says, have the, have the, uh, have the protocol droids memory wiped. Mm. You see R2 and 3PO on, on the bridge, on that ship. You know, let's just go ahead and say the Tana 4. Yeah. Um, the then, it cuts to, then it cuts to the Padme funeral, right? But then we see, if you don't have Padme in there, if you don't have that Padme funeral in there, what you do have is everyone exiting in the order that they're introed in Star Wars. Because you see the droids, then we met the droids first, mm-hmm. then Vader comes walking in. We met Vader. Then the next person we met is Princess Leia. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, Luke. And and the way it goes out is droids, Vader, Leia, wow. Luke. Wow. Mm-hmm. I had never thought about that. Yep. That is... Wow. Is that a ring theory thing? No, it's just uh, it's just something I noticed, you know, watching wow. it, you know, a while back, and that's amazing. And so then with the ring yeah. theory thing, it's also really that ring theory thing is also really interesting, because I was watching it as I had it on today doing some stuff. Return of the Jedi ends with that big battle. Yep. Sith starts out with a big battle, and you know, so and Return of the Jedi starts with just the friends going to save each other, and this start and this ends with the friends fighting each other, kind of thing, you know. And and so it as this as as Jedi opens up into a larger situation, this starts large and narrows down into a yeah. smaller situation, and so which then leads into that bottleneck and it funnels once again outward, you know, mm-hmm. from. And that's I feel like that's a pretty sound theory on that dude's part, that Star Wars ring theory stuff. Yeah, thematically speaking, I don't I don't think the outlines of the film started that way, but I think that it was a, it was a natural result of. Lucas's storytelling style and his influences. 
I mean, there's some stuff that has, I don't know. You think it's intent? You think it's like? I don't know. I feel like because at what point does uh, seven, eight, nine fit into that? Well, I don't know. See, but see, now you're out of the Lucasian storytelling. This is true. Yeah. Now you're into the Abrahamic, which is still, um, still weird. Still weird to. to it's get not used to weird. That idea. It's not going to be weird until I see it. And then, Although, and then and then it depends on how much it fits into things. I still say just give Dave Filoni full control over that story group and everything. I, that's not a bad idea. You know, I say make Dave Filoni the Kevin Feige of of Lucasfilm. Oh man, you know, I mean, it's worked for Marvel. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't. Uh, I'm looking at. Uh, <laughs> Dylan says Dylan says the ring theory page is how he avoids prequel <laughs> arguments. He just sends that URL and done. Ah. See, we needed something besides certain other people's YouTube videos that dropped those links to criticize the prequels. Right, right. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it it is a fascinating theory. I need to read up like on the full post I've never actually thoroughly read. I just kind of generally know what it is, which is pretty cool. And I know that they're doing a uh, documentary about it. Like there's a there's a Kickstarter that some guys are putting together. About the ring theory? Like they're trying to put together Ooh. a uh Star Wars documentary that kind of defends the saga as a whole. I got to say this real quick. There's some pronunciation conversation going on cuz I called it the Tantive 4 and someone said it's the Tantive V4. No, that's dumb. It's Tantive. It's the Rebel Blockade Runner. Um, then it gets into how do you pronounce Forlom? Do you pronounce it Forlom or Far L-O-M? That's before your time. That's some well, old school what, stuff. When, what did the old um, Kenner commercials say? I don't say? know. I they just said 4-L-O-M. That's fine, but I always called him Forlom. As, as did right. I just from reading it. But then, who I'm thinking I'm on track with Buddy Peacock now because he says Lom. Um, he says he pronounces the at-at A-T-A-T because no one says at with the ATST. No, it's ADAT. It's always been ADAT. Yeah. So. Do they actually say ADAT in the film? No, they say they Imperial say, Walkers. Imperial Walkers have cleared the bridge. Isn't that yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Imperial troops have entered the base. Yeah. Imperial troops have entered the... Yeah, that yeah. person got killed. Oh, poor By dude. the way, yeah. That person got killed. So, it's ADAT. Although that does need to be like a robot chicken bit where it's just like the guy sitting there and it's like... Are we going? Are we leaving yet? Are we? They're almost there. All right, screw it. Imperial troops are in the base. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he didn't get killed. He's running with the microphone in his hand, and the uh, and the plug yep, pulls that's out. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not staying here, here till uh, Lord Vader shows up. You know. Uh, they don't say a lot of stuff in the film. Says Dylan, like Ewok. The word Ewok is never that's mentioned. True. In the that's film. true. Yeah, it's in the in the toys. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, and the cartoon. The Ewok cartoon. E, 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 E. I've actually not seen any of the Ewoks cartoon. I've seen several episodes of the Droids cartoon. Have you seen this Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special? I've not. Uh, it's, I have never seen any Phineas and Ferb mm-hmm. and could have, could not possibly have less interest in this, in this. It's sure. just seems, it's just seems like a weird off the wall cartoon, but, um, uh, Lucasfilm sent us a copy of the, uh, kindly sent the Star Wars Report a copy of the Season 6 Blu-ray when it came out, a review copy. Which, by the way, finally, if, if nothing else of the years of doing the Star Wars Report site and podcast, we may not have got Season 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, but we got Season 6, the review copy. So that nice. day we at least capped it off. But packed in with it was the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special. Mm-hmm. I'm like, alright, well i got to stick this in. There is the most amazing musical introduction to Tatooine 
of all the Phineas and Ferb characters in Tatooine, and it's like they each have their brief moment, and they just sing their way as... as, as I can't even describe it, but I feel like we need to cap off our evening at some point and 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 actually find this. Well, we got to start something. capping off the evening. That's true. We've got we've got into a um, Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. Although, <coughs> if you want, speaking of capping off the evening in music, uh, I I have my guitar behind me, sir. I know, and you're chomping at the bit to do this thing, aren't you? I, well, the thing is, is that what was the Patreon day? I brought it and like totally forgot. Yeah, we never did it. it. Yeah. We never did it. Although, did you find it? We got to get through a. Through a crappy commercial. Coming up in just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special featuring Tatooine. Let me tell you a movie I have no interest in seeing. You will either really love this or really hate it. I think the former. You can look, but you're never gonna find a better place to be than this little slice of heaven tucked between the jungling waste and the big dune sea. We can surf through the canyons or train a pack of dewbacks, build a giant hamster habitat for womp rats or fire up our solar-powered sandcastle making machines. We're on Tatooine. Yeah, we're living like kings out here. We got a two-sun summer the hold on year. Cruising beggars canyon in our T-16 are just sitting on a rock eating blue ice cream. Here's my problem. Okay, all right. Is is uh, Phineas supposed to be playing Luke Skywalker? No, it's just the Phineas and Ferb characters telling a story that's vaguely parallels the okay. Star Wars story. Because I was going to say Luke hated Tatooine. No, that's the whole bit. Is that they're just taking the exact opposite of uh, of Skywalker. Along the coast of South Africa, a South great Africa. white shark is on the prowl. Exactly. Never swimming in South Africa. I'm telling you, man. I just saw something, though, that made me want to see. It looked like someone was surfing, and a shark came up out of the waves with him. must have been bad Photoshop. Oh, well. Anyhow. I mean, it's It's a cute song. It's a catchy song. I'm telling you, man. I was walking around all day singing that song. Well. Let's see. Really quickly. Uh, Oh, this painting makes me emotional, says Buddy Peacock. Old Ben standing there and oh yeah, what was that from? There was an art book that had that. I'm pretty sure that's nice. I like old. I like pictures of old Ben where they make him look ba. You have no idea how much I was it the uh, gentle giant. I think that did the uh, hybrid Ben Kenobi statue. Right. Oh, I wanted it. 
I want it in my life. Dylan Newhouse says he wants to hear uh, Riley Rocket. I mean, if the people are speaking. All right. If the people are speaking. Uh, what's, and what's cool is that um, I've got my own like super uh, ghetto mic stand yeah. that I have uh, constructed here. Right. Like, you hadn't constructed it. You snagged it off my... Um, don't take my moment away from me, Steve. No, you didn't construct. I'm not gonna let you I, lie. I did some, some I'm not gonna let you lie to the dear listeners it's, of, it's of Geek Out Loud. It involves paper clips and chewing gum. <laughs> well, let's hurry it up. We got to go to bed. All right, yeah. No, Steve's ready to uh, book out of here. So yeah, here it's we go. late night, man. <coughs> it's All called right, Silent hey, Guardian. Hey, He's yo. okay. Cool. Thank let's, you, buddy, uh, Peacock. Let's see how uh, we coming through on the uh, on the old levels. Uh, let check, me, check. let one, me. Two, one, two. How we sounded, man? You're sounding all right. Sounding all right. Story of my life. Um, all right, here we go, guys. This goes out for the uh, for the uh, Disney Vault talk of this past week. You guys did Robin Hood, and uh, classic favorite of mine. That speaking of which, one of the few Disney VHS tapes that uh, I grew up with and watched a bajillion times. So here we go. Every town has its ups and downs, sometimes ups outnumber the downs, not in Nottingham. I'm inclined to believe if we weren't so down. We'd up and leave We'd up and fly If we had wings for flying Can't you see the tears I'm crying Can't there be some happiness for me Not in Nottingham Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest Laughing back and forth of what the other one has to say Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day Never ever dreaming there was danger in the water They were drinking, they were guzzling down Never ever dreaming, scheming, sheriff and his posse was Watching them and gathering around Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest Jumping fence, dodging trees and trying to get away Contemplating nothing but escaping, finally naked it Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly what a day Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly what a day There it is! There it is! That's all folks! Riley Blanton ladies and gentlemen Closing us out on the, I almost said on the Star Wars report. <laughs> I still associate your it's name in, with Star Wars report. Hey man, as long as uh, as long as people check it out, StarWarsReport.com. There you go, there you go, and you can follow Star Wars Report at Star Wars Report on Twitter, at the Riley Guy on Twitter. I'm at Steve Glosson, of course, at Geek Out Loud, at Goliverse for all the Goliverse show information. 
Hey, head over to geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com. Use the Amazon links there to do all your shopping on Amazon.com. It really helps the shows out in a big, bad way. There's a lot of financials that go into just the technical side of things, from hosting to um, to, to, to purchasing, you know, have, maintaining the payments for your domain name. Uh, and now there's a lot of software that's used that is a monthly payment kind of thing. And so your helping through Amazon helps us out a big time. And keeping us up and running. If you want to support the shows directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud because this podcast is brought to you by good listeners like you at patreon.com slash geekoutloud and by audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com slash geekout. Get your 30-day trial and a free audiobook from audible.com. No commitment necessary. Keep the book forever and always. Check out audible.com. I'm sure you'll love it. If you've never tried it before, here's your chance. Audibletrial.com slash geek out. Guys, thank you so much for jumping in on this thing and joining us. Those of you who joined us live on a Saturday night, thank you, Riley, for being here. Always a good time to have you around, my friend. We're on Tatooine? No. <laughs> no. But if there is, if there's a town that is farthest... <laughs> If there's a bright center of the world, you're on the town that is farthest from. So. Fair enough. The beautiful Hazelhurst, Georgia. Steve, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a blast. It's been good having you, man. Uh, so we cover a wide gamut of topics. And uh, listen, the Goloverse does the same thing. I hope you'll check out all of our shows. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes is a great way to do that. And uh, if you do so, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Make them good. We've been blessed to have so many good reviewers and good reviews over the years, and uh, I appreciate you so much. It helps us out on iTunes. helps people know if they're going to like us or not when you say good things. So if you don't have a good review to leave, just don't bother going over to iTunes and leaving a review. It's that simple. Why, why hate? Steve, are you saying to uh, make it good? Um, no. No. That's no. their thing. I'm saying why waste your time with don't hate? Don't make it bad. I'm saying why waste your time with hate? If you don't like the show, just don't listen. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, Blanton. If you don't like the show, don't listen. Get over yourself, guys. It's a free podcast. <laughs> Gee whiz. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Love you so much. We will uh, see you later. On whatever show we're doing. I'll just say Geek Out Loud. We'll see you next time on the next Geek Out Loud. I still don't see the Tuscan at the bottom of the guy's feet. There's supposed to be a Tuscan Raider down at the bottom of Obi-Wan Kenobi's feet on that piece of art, but I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs>